Come on. They're right there. Let's go. Move, 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 move. This episode of Choices Not Chances podcast is sponsored by Louisiana Gun Shop. Located on Highway 90 West in Broussard, Louisiana, just south of Lafayette. For more information, stay tuned at the end of this episode. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast episode by the guest are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the hosts or partners. This is Choices Not Chances podcast with Ryan and Matt. I'm your co-host, Matthew Charette. Sit next to me is Ryan Rogers. Ryan. All right, guys, thanks for coming out. And just like every other time, if you take something away from this episode, something resonates with you, strikes you, uh, something that other people need to hear, and you know those other people share this thing out, don't be selfish with the information. Today we have a special guest I met at John Wayne Williams' retirement, one of the former guests of the show, and somebody that we had great conversation. We've been back and forth trying to, uh, trying to put an episode together and finally getting in the, uh, in the studio and laying it down now. And this is going to be Jonathan Rose. Uh, Jonathan Rose is at the Wounded Warrior Regiment as an operations uh, center chief. He advocates for the uh, wounded, ill, and injured, essentially. So he's got a, he's got a very uh, imperative job up there to keep things going the way they need to be going. And at some points of his career, has held the ears of senators and, and, uh, and congressmen alike trying to get things done uh, for the veteran community. So, uh, Jonathan, thanks for coming out, man. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's been a couple months in the making, but we're here. So, uh, thank Th you. Thanks for having me on brother. Yeah, man. Appreciate you coming out. So, um, uh, usually in the beginning of the episode, I just like to get where people are going. Like I told you offline and writing a new book, writing a book on leadership. So in all my interviews, I have some pointed questions about that for me, but, uh, so we start out with, um, like your, your rearing coming up, growing up as your childhood. Um, we're both parents in the house kind of thing. How many siblings, sports, academics, things that were important, religion. And if we can kind of walk through those and kind of build up to a catalyst of service and then we take, take it as it goes from there. Yes, 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 and yes. <laughs> All right, yeah, <laughs> get into it. Yeah. Uh, so family, not together. Um, really didn't see my dad to probably 10, 9, 12-year-ish. Had stepdad, you know, he was good. Mm. Lots of church. It was kind of like daycare for them. So we go to church like... 12 days a week you know <laughs> twice on Sundays and yeah. I think the only day we didn't go to church was Sunday and it was in between a Methodist church and a Baptist church and a Pentecostal just whoever was going to church kids go to church kids are going with them yep now the yep. parents too no okay no. gotcha check. well they come to church on Easter that's the only day they come to church yeah I get that one man <clears throat> yeah so me and my sister went all the time check I guess that's not necessarily a bad thing no at least when you're young growing up building a foundation so just you and you and your sister yeah okay and she's older younger and, uh she's four years younger four years younger yeah. okay so you're the older brother check i always got in trouble because of her for some reason <laughs> it was always my fault yeah like what everything, everything. she could fail a math test it's my problem because <laughs> i didn't tutor her enough yeah. because two plus two always equals five uh -huh. yeah uh -huh. just one of those things yeah just one of those things yeah check and so, uh, what about sports growing up? Everything. Everything. Um, played basketball, played football. Our school was very small. So we, I think we graduated 112 people. Yeah. So like that. we just got, I think soccer the year I graduated. 
Nice. And we only started with women in soccer. There was no male soccer. So we only had like baseball, football. You had the, the, mon- yeah. the money maker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So football, basketball was my big thing. Yeah. 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 Well, you're a pretty tall guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I was a, deep, uh, a defensive end and tight end. Okay. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. Yeah. That's what I would think you would be. Yeah. When I look at you, you're a pretty decent sized dude. You like that? I assume oh, smashing the shit out of people yes. on both ends. Love crack backing people. Yeah, 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 I was gonna say, dude. That I was a wide receiver uh, for a couple of years in high school, and that was one of my favorite things. They're gonna run that sweep around my side, I'm and I get to hit that. Yeah, I get to hit that linebacker, you. and he doesn't know I'm coming. Man, think about it. Now we probably damaged a lot of people. Oh, and yeah. damaged ourselves even yeah. from the onset. Multiple CTEs. Oh, I'm growing up. Dude, bad times. <laughs> bad times. Our pads was probably 25 years old. Yeah, and then you joined the Marine Corps, right? Yeah. And your head's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And me? we're still using the same pads we used in high school. Same 20, shit. 20 years ago. Same shit. Yeah. The NFL can make a documentary telling you how bad it is, and parents are like, yeah, but there's always that chance. <laughs> take some Ultron, take a knee, drink some water. You're good. Yeah, dude. Get hard. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so. You did that all the way through. When did you start? When did you start getting competitive in sports? Um, early? Oh, real early. I actually just found my playbook from midget A ball Damn. when I was twelve, and I sent it to a buddy of mine. We played all the way through. Oh, okay. and I'm like, hey, here's our playbook. He's like, holy shit, how'd you? I was like, I don't know. It was in a notebook. It was in a box, dude. It was in a box. <laughs> my mom sent me. You know, I just opened twenty years later. Yeah, and it had all our routes and everything. Like, yeah, yeah it was pretty cool. That's dope. And that was like twelve years old. Okay, so you're like Pee Wee League oh, yeah. getting into it, and then I assume you play all the way through high school. Yeah, I played all the way yeah. through high school. Oh, yeah, dude. Dude, that's some of the funnest times of your life, too. Like, when you look back, of course, there's other things that have completely overshadowed that as far as joyous. I mean, kids and a wife is amazing. You know, those joys. Leading Marines later in my life was joys. But, like, when I think of some of the greatest times growing up at least that i can remember the greatest memories it's like the whole football team holding hands walking down to the field ooh, ooh, ah, ah, ooh, you know yeah. and everybody's that's where like that team some of the toughest times too some hard times <laughs> it's not fun losing it's not fun hurting being the first year on varsity uh, uh, getting that initiation you know oh man yeah, or start you now they right. call hazing you know just initiation yeah. well you know I, I i think at my school we didn't have too much of that bad it wasn't yeah, real bad. It wasn't bad. It was silly stuff. Yeah. It's not like Marine Corps hazing. No, like no, no, let's no, say two thousands. No. It wasn't that. No. I've heard those stories, and that's not cool either. But yeah, they're definitely. But there's something that comes to that, right? It's like a, a ownership. Yeah. Um, of being part of something bigger than yourself, and that's kind of where that starts. Right? It's just like going through boot camp. You earn. Yep. You earn a little bit each time, and then by the end of it, you're there, yep. right? So, pretty cool. So, uh, anything notable? From the football team that you have to say? Usually somebody that played football had some crazy story that they had to tell me about. I did one time. They put me as a split in. Okay. It was supposed to be like a wide receiver screen, and okay. it was coming to me. Okay. All the blockers fell through. Okay. They crushed my face. It actually <laughs> bent my helmet, and the, the tooth that used to be here <clears throat> was permanently loose. They oh. couldn't fix it. Just Knock me out like this, and the next play I was back. They gave me some of that smelling stuff. Next play I was in, I was like, oh. Were you like right here when you got hit? No, I th- the ball didn't even make it to me. Oh boy, the ball was from here ten feet away, and they all three of them just crushed me. Whammy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that was probably one of the one or two only times my parents came to the game, and they're like, Oh, okay. oh let's, let's go, go. let's go. You gotta quit. Like, oh, no, my no, yeah. oh my goodness. Turn right back around on defense and. I'd do something. Damn. <laughs> so, 
so your parents are together. No, stepdad, you said. Yeah, stepdad. And but they didn't come to much. No, is this no. work related stuff? No, or just it's just in their own world in their kind yeah, of stuff in their own world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I grew up in a very, I wouldn't say racist, but a very divided town. Mm-hmm. Like we had the KKK shut down our school for three days. Oh my god! I didn't know they still rode horses. I didn't either. And this is two thousand. I'm like, I saw this on movies. What the hell is going Where on? Where is this at? This was in, in, in North Mobile County of okay. Alabama. Yeah, okay. I was like, is this really a thing? I don't know. I don't know what to I, do with my hands. Yeah, that's... I thought that was like old school, like what, 1940 stuff. What was the topic? What was the issue? Three black guys jumped one white guy. In the year 2000, that brought the KKK out. Yeah. White oh, sheets and everything. Yeah, like, oh. dude. Yeah. That's embarrassing. Yeah. That's, it, it's fucking embarrassing to me. Anyway. Yeah, like I was I was one of the only few white people that even played in the whole county of basketball. Mm, uh-huh. I filed, a, I'd, tech, I'd get a technical. Were you a center? I was. Okay, imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> you were the fouler. I wouldn't even be on the court and get a foul. What? I'd, I'd be on the bench. Technical, 25. The coach stand up and be like, what? He's on the bench. What, because they didn't like you? I was the only white guy there. Yeah. 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 Well, racism goes both ways. Yeah. yeah. It's all embarrassing. And beneath human beings, in my opinion. So. We all bleed red. Yeah, it's all the same stuff. Yep. Yeah. So, state championships, big games. New. No, nah. not, not there. <laughs> Look, I graduated, I think, with 96 kids or 99 kids. It was real low like that, too. We had a very small school. We didn't have soccer ever while I was there. Didn't have a swimming team. There's no JROTC. It was like track, baseball, football, wrestling. And you didn't do one of those, and you went somewhere else to play a sport. Yeah, we didn't have wrestling. But we did have tennis. No, we didn't have no tennis. Because we had a golf course, a fancy golf course, so a small percentage of people had money. That a small percentage of people could go to? Yeah. Yeah, and they let the school use the tennis courts? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's good that they're doing yeah. that, but we, I don't know if we had tennis. Now, like, I could be wrong. There could have been an outreach pool that I just didn't know about. It was never on my purview, purview never in my radar, but... Uh, I didn't try to swim, but so, uh, what years are you in school? I uh, graduated '02. Graduated '02, so you're in high school and 11 takes yep. takes place. How that, that affect you? I joined the delayed entry program twelve days before 11. Hey, so you still before you yeah. could claim it? August thirtieth, two thousand one. Yeah. Wow. And then we're sitting in homeroom, and when all that happens. Sh- yeah. So you shipped the next year for yeah. boot camp, right? Yeah. So you dipped in early. Well, talk about that uh, with your parents. How how that go down? Uh, my dad was in the army for a long for a decent amount of time. Step the stepdad? No, my real your dad. Real dad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. my stepdad. And by this time, you know you yeah, know him. Yeah. You've met him yeah. and stuff. And now, is he more of a part of your life at that time after you meet oh, yeah. him? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He, I talk to him once, twice a week now. Still, not so much to my mom, but yeah, oh, really. Okay. Yeah. My wife talks more to my mom. I talk more to my dad. Okay. Check. Yeah, but it was weird. I was in homeroom when all that happened, and I'm like, where's the Twin Towers at? Is that in California? I, I don't know. Didn't I, even know about them, right? Me either. I, I, I didn't know where the Twin... I didn't know that it was in New York City. And everybody's like, oh my God, John, you joined the Marine Corps. Are you, are, are you going off for war tomorrow? I'm like, no, I'm still in high school. I don't, I don't <laughs> still in high camp. school till next year? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't go to boot camp until May. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a little weird. Mom got scared, tried to talk me out of it a few times. I'm That's like, what I was going, yeah. wondering, because like all of those guys that joined in our our kind of beginning generation, that first generation coming in, 9-11 generation, parents weren't overly thrilled about it if it was post-9-11. 
Yeah. Well, and this was my way out mm-hmm. was to join the military. Mm-hmm. No, nobody ever graduated high school in my, in my immediate family, maybe some cousins and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mom, dad didn't graduate. My stepdad didn't graduate. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, I got to get out of this place. I, I, I don't need to be stuck in moonshining and running meth and crazy stuff like that because that's what happens in the countries of Alabama. So. Mm-hmm. Time to break the cipher. Yep. Yep. That's well, great. Get the hell out of there. And sometimes that's what. Sometimes that's what you got to do. You got to yeah. break out. You know, if you're in a situation like that, yeah, man, you're going to be guaranteed some food, guaranteed some money. Yep. Some adventure for sure. Definitely a place to sleep. Three hots in a cot. That's right. right. That's right. <laughs> Didn't promise you a rose garden, but we got you covered. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Was that a pun on my name? Rose. <laughs> it was. And on the Marine Corps recruiting poster. Uh. Yeah, man. So your mom, you dep in, you finish high school, and then Paris. I wasn't supposed to go to like July. Paris Island? Yeah, Paris Island. Okay, I wasn't sure. Yeah, uh, wasn't supposed to go to it like July, and the recruiter called me, hey, I got an open seat. You want to go tomorrow? I'm I like, but you do have an open seat. War just broke out. <laughs> I'm like, hell yeah, let's go. Hell yeah. And you, 03? No, uh, I'm, I'm Motor T. Yeah, Motor T. Well, I went right. in open contract. You just said, let's go put me where you need me. Let's go put me where you need me. Yeah. I wanted to go Intel or communications. Mm hmm. No jobs available. They was like, well, we can make you an aircraft, an aircraft mechanic. I'm like, nah. My dog. Nah. I'm not seeing anything. Do you got anything else? So it's like, well, we can put you ground option. I'm like, what's that mean? It was like, you could be motor T, you could be an MP, and like four or five other jobs. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, cool. And then find out in, uh, in uh, after boot camp, hey, 35, 31. 35, 31. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's like, you made it. I'm like, Okay. Now, and what is that exactly? So it's a motor uh, motor vehicle operator. So we drive okay. Humvees, seven tons. I, I finished top of the class. So I went to the advanced school, which mm-hmm. back in the day was 35, 33s, which is LVS operators. Okay. So we drove all the bigger trucks, the 18-wheelers. The, is that the wreckers and stuff like that too? So, so that's a different MOS, yeah. So that's a secondary MOS. That's a 35, 36. Okay. Yeah. okay. And then 35, 34s are the refuelers. Yeah. Check. Yeah. Check. But that was a horrible place. Fort Lost in the Woods, Missouri. <laughs> Bad times. No, the only thing they had there was a was hotel. Was that Litterwood? You said Fort Lost Litterwood. in the Woods? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I had a buddy that was an instructor out there for a number of years after you had went through, but I, he didn't call it Lost in the Woods, but yeah. he had some names for it. Yeah, yeah. The, the only thing there, they had like a micro hotel, like like the one that used to be out by uh, by Toby's that you could pay by the hour. <laughs> yeah, the Triangle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they had their version of the Triangle, like three strip clubs and a Walmart. That was it. Boom. That's all you need when Marines are around, I guess. That, that's like Jacksonville in the early 2000s. <laughs> and quite a few tattoo parlors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got to have more than one of those. <clears throat> yeah. Some of them ran out of business, like homes and frog rooms upstairs, but that's okay. Yeah. That's the kind I like. Prefer those ones. Just ink. They, they just take an ink, stick out a needle and toothpaste. And I'm like, oh, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> Let me sharpen this <laughs> Dude, my, I, get my work, I get my work done uh, out of the house. Um Guy's phenomenal, but just doesn't want to have a business front, I yeah. guess. So, hey, that's to each his own. Um, hell yeah. So, uh, what they do, wheel like it, when I was in high school, they wheeled in a TV, like a box TV on a cart. Yep, that's that exactly kinda, what, kinda what they yep. did with you well, guys, too. I, I think in homeroom, I'm trying to remember, it may have been a box TV, or we had like one of those little tiny, like. 14 inch TVs. Yeah, because like, now kids got TVs like all over the schools. Yeah. And they're in every room and they're flat screen LCD 4K, you know, Grace. They like pushed a cart in, turned a knob. With the VCR. Hey, John, go over there and move the antenna. You know? <laughs> okay. Don't take Don't your move. finger. Don't take your finger off of it. <laughs> yeah. 
because it was the same way at the house. Like we got three channels because we had that big, because we lived in a trailer, had that big, like 40 foot antenna. You got to go out there and twist. When it rained, you picked up another channel, but you lost one channel. (laughs) So you always got three channels in PBS. Oh yeah. 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 The president flipper. (laughs) Your night's ruined. (laughs) It's over. (laughs) And I'm the one that always has to go out there when it's lightning to turn the, it's raining, John, go out there and turn it. I'm like. I can't do that from inside. I can just reach through the window. No, go outside. Oh, we don't open up the window. Oh, you'll mess up the whatever. I'm like, okay. Run out there and stop. Take your hands off. Nope. Put them back on. Hold. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, things are better now. Yeah. I don't have to do that anymore. I don't have that problem anymore. Well, I had a kid, so he can do it. That's right. I'm going to have an antenna out there that doesn't even hook up to anything, just to have him go out there. Just to go out there and hold it. (laughs) Just go out there and hold it. Turn it. Okay, you're good. Come back in. Nope, go back out there. (laughs) No. That's funny. Turn flipper on every now and then. Just, sorry, that's all we can watch. (laughs) Welcome to my childhood. (laughs) Uh, So you got out of there. You shipped for boot camp. Yep. And that's 2002. 2002, yeah. Yep, 2002. And you go to Paris Island. Any any per, any PI P. stories? No, nah, I thought it was pretty easy. Yeah, you know, dude, I, I mean, some guys are... It, it's all mental. Some guys are like that. Some yeah. guys, it was like a capstone event in, in their life. And some guys are like, no, nah, everything that came after that in my career was way yeah. cooler than marching. It's like, done. Yeah, dude, it's such a small piece. And... You know, like movies like Full Metal Jacket or, 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 or um, Jarhead or whatever, they do a great job. And boot camp is like that. But then your career, dude, the things you do in your career afterwards are just so much, they get pills in comparison. Yeah. Like, it was just a small school when I was young and stupid and dumb and didn't know anything. Look at these things I did right. or I got to experience here. These people that I got to know here is way, way more worth talking about than, you know, watching some kid piss on the line. Or, you know, like, you know, whatever stupid yeah. stories. I love hearing the stupid stories. Don't get me wrong. Oh, I'm not taking away ones. from them. I love bundles. hearing them. Um, but it, it, there's just two two kinds of people. Guys that were all about that and guys that um, had things go on that kind of made that pale. So, uh, ITB on the East Coast, too, I assume. Or uh, MCT. Yeah, MCT. MCT yeah. right out there at... Um, Camp Johnson yeah. or Geiger. 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 Yeah. 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 And you Cold. guys go out to like Devil Dog. Yeah, it sucks. <clears throat> like 28 days. It's not yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, you can get all the basic uh, know hows, the general common knowledge, common yeah. weapons. And then, and then you go to Lost in Woods. Yep. And that's a, that's, isn't that a longer school than like MCT for you? So guys? the regular, regular Moto T, I want to say is six or seven weeks. Uh-huh. And then I went to an advanced course right after that. Which so is was, there too, right? Which is there too. Yeah. So I think that was another four or five weeks there. Okay. And the majority of it's backing up trailers because yeah. people don't know how to use them. Driving range. experience and yeah. three point turns and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then. But with an 80 foot, with a 40 foot trailer. Right. Yeah. Which is a much <laughs> different. Not j- fun. J- just a tad bit. Yeah. Be sweet when we get to a point where they got the vehicles, yeah. the vehicles in the military that do everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's not like it. Like it, I would have said it wasn't. We'd never see that. I don't feel that way no more. No. I like they're really honing in Tesla and some. Oh yeah. All the other automakers now open up electric lines. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. Got trucks that can back boats down by themselves now into a ramp. It's pretty cool. That really helped the, the motor T community with IEDs. That's our that's our biggest thing is hitting IEDs. Yeah, it's a lot of money lost, and a lot, a lot of, of money, and a lot of people lost. A lot of money, a lot of lives. 
Yeah, for sure. You know, and maybe this, um, we've been talking a lot about drones just because there's a lot to talk about drones right now, like redesigning the entire Marine Corps based off, you know, Azerbaijan and Armenia drone war. And I think it's, I think it's great. Yeah. Like we can send this piece of equipment out, this couple thousand dollar piece of equipment instead of a life. And a lot of people hate it. And I'm not saying it's going to completely replace. We'll always have boots on deck yeah. for sure. You have to, I get that. But, but I think that drone improves our lethality because oh, we can dude. see stuff out there way yeah. before the boots get that's there. That's what it is. Yeah. It's all about seeing it before, beforehand and then build your SA and then, you know, you can devise a better plan, uh, better protections. It's just all around better. I did, um, I just interviewed, um, uh, Lieutenant Colonel retired Wayne Phelps who wrote on, on killing remotely. So he worked with Grossman who wrote on killing and has a lot of adages from on killing and on combat and a lot of nods in the book, but it's basically the psychology of these RPAs, these remote piloted aircraft pilots. And it's like, yeah, I understand why they're having problems. Yeah. I had problems and when I did a BDA, I went up and got guns and I didn't pay attention to every all the carnage. I made sure they were dead. These guys are hovering over top and circling for six, seven hours watching these other people's kids come out and pick them up and put them in wheelbarrows. They're zooming in. They're following them. They're building this pattern of life with them over six months before they find an opportunity to strike them. There's a lot of intimacy there. And it's all coming through in high definition 4K right yeah. in front of them. You know, and then couple that with the shift work and then couple that with the fact that people are calling them pussies for having PTSD and symptoms. And it's like, you have no idea what you're talking about, dude. Yeah. He is in war watching it. Like, and it's not a video game. It's real and he knows it's real. I'm trying to think what show I watched the other day. It's probably about a year ago that, that it was a whole episode about that. A dude that's in Vegas somewhere mm -hmm. sitting in a box controlling stuff. Mm -hmm. And like, he goes crazy. Mm -hmm. horrible PTSD. Like he's going to buy strippers all the time and mm -hmm. wasting all his money. And mm -hmm. they're betting on, I bet you can't hit that target. Mm -hmm. And it, I couldn't imagine doing that. You know, like in situations where I'm helping an element on the ground, no factor. If they're calling in saying, I got this and I'm over top and I see enemy maneuvering on them. No factor. I would never struggle. I would not. I'll watch them. I don't care, but I've done it on the ground before. And there's something in the book where he talks about they brought in guys that have been ground guys, ground action guys, and I think it was 0% reported PTSD from piloting them and operating the sensors. Hmm. So that's interesting. But when you take your life and put your skin in the game and you've done it, these other guys, these other pilots haven't done that. So that is the most skin in the game they've had, which does something to the psyche. It's like if you were actually burned in a fire, you might not be so scared when a sparkler comes out. Opposed to somebody, a smaller child that's never been burned by a fire, and then they see that, then they're like, oh my God, right? I'm not doing that. Right, that's the worst thing ever. But if you've actually been in a house fire and burned the hell up, sparkler's probably not going to trigger you to yeah. that, because you're like, it's just a sparkler, right? And so with these guys that never been in combat, and then I don't know about, you know, I wasn't recruited, I didn't go through their schools, and their schools are good, I'm sure, but I think there was such a call for drones that they just opened it up because the MOS was exploding with the technology and frontline troops and commanders were saying, hey, we need these drones. We need these drones at the cyclic rate to the point where the Air Force opens up a whole MOS and starts dumping these guys into it. And they didn't sell them that they were going over there and they were going to be the air cab infantry. Right. 
You know what I mean? So you may or they may have recruited in a bunch of guys because the need was that we need numbers and they may have not vetted them the way, let's say, you would vet an O three to right. come into the Marines or to or or a or a joint terminal air controller to come into the Air Force right. to go to attach with an ODA. And I wonder That's if they're doing training. And I wonder if they're doing it now. I, but like the EOD community is now trying to get passed through Congress that before you go to EOD school, you get whatever brain check to find out where your where your brain's at right now from all the concussive stuff, all the blasts that go on. And just, that's probably necessary, right? Just in school, people are getting 10, 12, 15 concussions probably. Well, you think about it. Think about what they're doing. They're doing yeah. control debts and pops and shape charges. And it's yeah. like we know now that all of yeah. those blows add a little bit, add a little bit, add a little bit, right? Might and, not be a lot, but it adds a little bit. And that little bit plus a little bit plus a little bit equals a lot. Yeah, and if you were somebody that banged your head against other people for your entire high school and middle school career, you already have a little bit. There's already a little bit. Then you go through SOI. Maybe you're the guy that fires the AT4 shot or the law shot, and that's a little bit. Doesn't say back blast aerial <laughs> Well, fuck that. Just the concussion oh, of, yeah. of firing the shot. Yeah. That's a blow. That's an explosion beside your head. It's not a huge one, but it's one. Yeah. And, and, the, and the weapons instructors that like advanced, uh, advanced rockets and stuff where they're going out and they're firing smalls and they're firing uh, uh, tow missiles and things of this nature. It's like just firing those now we know is affecting brains. Like we can, right. we can prove that these explosions and i mean that's kind of what happened to me i didn't get hit by any of the shrapnel from mortars or anything like that but i had 82s dropped way too close to me had a wall in between but all that all that wave that shock wave goes through everything goes right through the wall right through your head you know right through your ears ruptured both my eardrums huh (laughs) that's why i got these turned (laughs) up doc (laughs) i I feel like a real human being when i'm on here because i can hear everything as soon as i put them on i'm like I feel like the old people on the commercial with the hearing aids. I'm like, I can hear everything. Like, don't now. you just wish you could hear like this all the time? Oh, It'd be I, amazing. I can hear you breathe. Except when my wife's talking. I'd have to take them off. Well, that's the great thing yeah. about hearing aids. It's like, oh, I'm done with that. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's got like, my dad's got these hearing aids and they're like, maybe like the the strongest hearing aids you can get before the cochlea, cochlea yeah. implant. So they're serious. Well, they've gotten technologies coming a long way. So like his phone calls go to his hearing aids and everything oh, now. Shit. Oh, yeah, his TV, Bluetooth to his hearing aids. That's a thing. VA's got that. Ooh. Yeah, you can hook it up to your TV. Um, the mind do that. But uh, his, are, his are wicked, but uh, they're so he's so deaf that when he takes them out, it's nothing. Like, there's no, he doesn't hear, you could be pounding, like 5-0 pounding on the front door, and he don't hear that. Wow. He would feel it before he would hear it kind of thing. So, and he's, he's divorced now, you know, got that all wrapped up now, but... It would be funny because if he didn't want to hear somebody, he'd just turn them things off. And you wouldn't even know. And he'd be like, Dad, 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 hey. And he'd be like, mm, I can't stand listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, my goodness. And it's not just, you know, his significant others. It would be anything he didn't want to listen to. All you got to do is turn it off and you're there. Like, can you imagine if it's like, hey, I got to work. You heard nothing. Oh, that'd be amazing. Or, or turn it up and just put your ear, you know, like throw your music on your phone and boom, it goes Bluetooth to your head. All right, you hear nothing else. Yeah, it's great. That'd be amazing. It's great. Because <laughs> all day at work, everybody's just over there, hey, Masson, um, can you help me with this? I'm actually doing work. I, it, sure. I was just standing here drinking a cup of coffee, I guess, wasn't I? <laughs> no? Roger that. Let me. What can you, I do for you? You see me typing, and I'm on the phone, and you still ask me, can you do something? Yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. I got you. I'm here for you, double dog. <laughs> exactly. No. But you are. Yeah. 
And Always. You, and you do it, right? I do. All right. <laughs> All right. So out of Leonard Wood, you, you get your credentials, you get your school done, and you go to who? Oki. Oh, for, good. This was during stop, loss, stop, move. So it was like one Lance Corporal per two NCOs. And it was just angry people that couldn't get out of the Marine Corps. Because stop, loss, stop, move happened. Yeah, that starts a, that starts a, a, a special dynamic within the ranks, oh. doesn't it? Weird. You got some salty dudes that oh, yeah. don't want to go. Well, that's when you say I senior Lance Corporal. <laughs> that's when you used to. Yeah. Like the Lance Corporals had formation in the morning. They turn around the senior Lance Corporal turn around to the corporal. Hey Corporal, we're good. The corporal turn around to the sergeant, start we're good. Okay, march him to motorpool. Mm-hmm. Because nobody had cars there. Mm-hmm. Oh, we weren't allowed unless she was married. So no, we, we weren't either. We marched to the motorpool. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is what we're doing today. Lunchtime, form it back up, march to the jaw hall. Form it up outside the jaw hall. We'll march back to the motor pool. Dang. You guys got treated like recruits? Yeah. I, I mean, well, yeah. I mean, it was a little bit like that through SOI, but after we got to the fleet, it was well, we, much, much worse. Well, we had a lot of people. <laughs> like, when I was there, a lot of people was getting in trouble with DUI, or not uh, DUIs, yeah. but, like, drunk in public, yeah. trying to whoop like, an Okinawan cop or something, and you're like, why would you ever try to do that? Underage drinking was big. I think it's always been a thing. Yeah. It was super big in Oki because I think the drinking age is like nothing else. It's like 15. Yeah. So anybody could just go out and get it as long as they didn't get out of control and get get found out. Yeah. Off base. Don't try to do it on base. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You still got American rules there. Mm Yeah. But you could go out in town and buy a case of Budweiser for, I think it was like 65 bucks at 15 years old. You're paying, but you get it. (laughs) You'll get it. How bad do you want it? (laughs) Yep. Yeah, dude. Okay, so you guys did a lot of training out there? Yeah, we did. Um, went out to Australia one time for that was very, very, very fun. Yeah, I, I've heard stories about Australia that seem very enticing. There's a lot of stories I can tell you offline. Yeah, yeah, we won't go into yeah, all yeah, those. Yeah, we won't go did into you, all those. Did you ever watch a guy box a kangaroo, though? No, we had a dude split his dome open. Boxing a kangaroo? with By a frog. So you know the story. old, so you know the old ambulances, mm-hmm. the old metal ambulances, and they had two stretchers on each side. Mm-hmm. So we was getting ready to move out the next morning. He was the he was like our senior corporal that was with us. Decided to sleep in there that night. Leave the doors open. It's it's hot. Yeah, yeah. You know? So he leaves the door open. A frog jumps on his face. Mm-mm. He sits up and hits the top <laughs> rail like seven stitches across the, the, the top of his forehead. Yes. Yeah, it was. We, we 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 almost ran over a bunch of cows. The Aborigines like just showed up one day. I was like, "What the hell are y'all doing here?" Because they they're just out there. We're in the middle of the bush. Mm-hmm. Weird stuff would just show up. That is weird. Yeah, we had some kangaroos chase us one time. That was pretty scary. Because you can't shoot a kangaroo over there, huh? Well, we well none of us had live rounds. We're Man, just I'm not fighting them either. I've yeah. seen the videos. So I thought they was smaller. They're in this field. Grass is probably three, four foot tall. So we get out of the seven ton. We're like, oh, let's see how close we can get to them. The air pressure goes off on the seven ton. You know how it goes. They all stand up and they're like seven foot tall. I'm like, oh my God. They like look at us. We look at them and we're like, oh shit. Seen enough. <laughs> Start running. And like we hop back up in the truck and they're just all kind of sitting outside the truck. Like, come on. What do y'all want? Y'all want some? <laughs> y'all want some? Come get some. Yeah. It was, what was that snaky sound you just made. <laughs> Yeah, so that, that was really fun. Dude, I with animals, the only animals that ever, I think, fucked with me when I was in and moving around was in Afghanistan, and it was camels. We came across a, an angry batch of camels one time, 
And we were, I was, I, I told one of my guys to shoot it, but the colonel was right there, and they were like, no, don't shoot it because it's a problem. But this camel was like charging. Oh, and we shot a cow and killed a cow because of it, too. Cow charged us. Weird things, man, that you come across like, yeah. in places that you didn't think. Yeah. I thought the camel, I thought the camel spiders in Iraq was going to mess with us, but we never saw one. I seen them in Afghanistan, never seen them in Iraq. Yeah. Um, in Afghanistan, my, my machine gun buddy Herbie, uh, one of my best friends, he got bit by one, I think. He woke up and it looked like a burn mark, purple burn mark. And I'm awake. Yeah. And he's like, dog, did you burn me? I'm like, yeah, dude. In the middle of the night after you fell asleep, I went and got an iron and I heated it up until it was red hot and I burned you. You didn't even wake up. Yeah. Yeah, I burned you. No, it was one of the, like, because we got in a little war with them spiders that night. We're just playing spades. And we're mm-hmm. up against some Hesco. And one of them skitters come right down onto our table. We're like, kill it! We didn't kill it in, in time, but we did wound it. Well, it's like, I don't know if they have pheromones or something. No, he went back and told all his buddies, let's Bro, go get these motherfuckers. Came, dude, it's what it felt like. They came out of the woodworks, and we had a patrol out in an ambush. A security patrol laying in an ambush just kind of watching this. Uh, it's like a little canal that they used to try to sneak up and, and put IDs on the road. And uh, they heard us screaming about the smi- uh, about the spiders, like "Oh shit!" And like we're taking we're taking <laughs> buttstocks to these motherfuckers, dude. And there was they came out of everywhere, and there was like you could hear them running across the sand. And I was like, "Oh my god!" Like this is real. The security patrol picked up the ambush. Charette, the co-host, and Matt, he come back with the guys. Like, are you guys good? Because we went to war with these with these skitters, dude. <laughs> Everybody gets come at you. Of, no, it wasn't that <laughs> big of a deal, but it was just like, you just don't expect them yeah. to rally and come at you. Yeah. And so when they did that, we're like, all right, war, motherfuckers. And we all, like, there was like 10 of them. There's like four of us awake, and we just went to work. Well, then he went to bed, and I think one of the spiders <laughs> got him. Uh, they attacked the weakest person. He the, definitely the wasn't the weakest person. Well, he, he, he was the only he one sleeping. he killed the most of them. Oh, did he? I don't know if they honed in on that or... Is, is he going to see your uh, your tattoo guy and just start getting stripes for killed spiders? He needs to. Yeah. He needs to. Or just, just get the spider. Just like get the spider. One spi- little yeah. spider for each one you kill. Like, and uh, one teardrop spider. A teardrop. <laughs> or it's a teardrop of the spider crawling on yeah. top of it. <laughs> Dude, like Mr. Rogers' neighborhood skulls for all of his kills. <laughs> Fun little note. He was a badass. Yeah. If you didn't know, now you know. Okay, so Okinawa, significant events there. No, nah, not really. Oki or kind of smooth. In the yeah, game. it was pretty smooth. I got I got an NJP while I was over there. That was picked one up. That was fun. You one know. of Chesty's yeah. I like yeah. it. What'd you do? Um, I was the senior guy at a party, and it was my going away party. <laughs> they said I bought them alcohol. I was underage myself. <laughs> they was fucking around because we moved from. Uh, I don't know if you've been to Oki before, but no. you know how they had the little pavilions outside the barracks, like like even at Lejeune, we was sure. out there having playing spades and bones and everybody was having a good time shit my platoon sergeant was there mm-hmm. they all left we moved up to the third deck lounge mm-hmm. and some dude was like ah tapped a dude in the nuts he turned around and pushed him he tripped split the back of his head open on the concrete wall good so I'm like I'm fucking out of here I leave tomorrow <laughs> go sign out of the duty log book like hey sign me out 10 minutes ago see you guys yeah sign me out 10 10 minutes ago yeah, that didn't work out too good. No, I was on legal hold for the next three months. Oh my god, yeah. how'd, kept, that, how'd that turn out? Kept my rank. That was good. Yeah, we we they had weren't a, too mad at you then. Uh, they was. It, it, Did it, it go to the colonel? Oh yeah. Oh good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The battalion commander was the one that. 
He's not happy about that. He was not. But what he did, there was four of us. Mm -hmm. Two NCOs. No, there was five of us. Two NCOs and three Lance Corporals. Mm -hmm. So he made us earn everything. So our NJP lasted three different times. So the first time, he's like, how much do you want to keep your rank? Tomorrow, 1,500 word essay on the importance of X. Next morning, we're standing outside of his hatch, 730 with a 1,500 page. Now, back then. Page? No, uh, word. I was like, damn, that, <clears throat> I'd take my rank. And dog. that's a piece. <laughs> I, I, that. I just got uh, I just got meritorious promoted like the month before that. Oh, my God. So you're a Lance or you're a corporal? I was a corporal. Oh, good. So you're yeah. an NCO. Yeah. So because I'm an NCO, I'm in charge. Mm-hmm. You know, not these There's days. a wealth of literature, though, in that creed that you could put oh, yeah. 15 wor- 1,500 yeah. words together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there is. <laughs> But back then, we only had like one computer per company or oh, yeah. a, a, a per platoon. So we're all at the motor pool. Oh, you didn't hand jam these. You no, guys typed them up typed for them professional? Up. Good. Yeah. So we, we're all at the motor pool until like four o'clock in the morning. Like, <laughs> hey, man, can I hop on the computer real quick? No, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Like, and me and the corporal was letting Lance Corporals do their stuff first. And we're like, come on, hurry up. So we're like hand jamming our stuff. Then I'm trying to translate what I wrote. What is this? Yeah. What, what is this word? <laughs> Joe Nathan? No, no, no. That's Jonathan. You know? Yeah, and then the next time we went in, how much do we want to save our paycheck? So then we had to give like an hour and a half PME, like the old beating the blues class we used to get after Christmas. Yeah, we had to give that to the battalion, the entire battalion, which is like fourteen hundred people. Yeah, on leadership and how your actions have reactions to other people. So we went through the whole skit of what happened that day. Mm-hmm. And then the last one we had the NJP. So no money, no rank. No restriction. Time served. <laughs> no EPD, but I had to supervise EPD every day. So I didn't have EPD, but I had to show up and supervise. Yeah. Uh-huh. Fun. Yeah. Good Fun times. Stuff. And then headed back to the States. Yeah. Deployment one wrapped. Yeah. Got you an NJP, kept your rank. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 a good box to punch right there. Yeah. yeah. Had fun. Didn't pay fully for it. Yeah. Learned a little something. Learned a lot. Improved our writing skills. Yeah. It's still, nah. it's still a little rough. But <laughs> I was going to say, how many of your guys' shit was exactly alike? Um, I don't know. I'm just saying because if you're all sitting there like, hey, dude, let me use a computer. Hey, what'd you write? Hey, how many words you got? Hey, what'd you put? I need a fluff builder. I could just <laughs> see it, dude. I could just see it. It would be me. Yeah. Hey, would you? I, I, I'm like 1,300, dude. I need 200 words. What do you yeah. got? <laughs> I, I'm from Alabama, so I just kept saying and, 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 the, the, the. Oxford comma, sir. I yeah. learned it. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny, dude. Okay, so you get back stateside and it's just you fall into a new workup or? Yeah. As and soon as you're a corporal. As soon as we get back. We're, I, I'm i a corporal, check in to Lejeune. We're on the on, on the hatch to go to, to Iraq and fall right into workups. Go Are we to, 03? This was 04. 04 at yeah. this time. Okay. Yeah. That's when I came in. So I'm just now coming through boot camp. All right. Yeah, I was over at Second TSB, just getting ready, spun up, because the whole battalion back then don't—they uh, don't deploy. Just it's like a company reinforced. Yeah, yeah. So you'll have like the battalion opso is the OIC mm-hmm. or something like that, mm-hmm. yeah. and then you're just getting general supported out to right our guys basically, yeah. yep. and, and then running log trains and supply run stuff. Oh yeah, cool, cool. And so your workup, what do you guys do for like your culminating event? Are you out there at CACs at the time? Do so, you guys do CACs like we did? Yeah. You're just attached to one of our groups that's going through? Yep. Yeah, and, yeah. And we do all the running the rails and 
all the range 400s. I'm like, why am I doing this? I'm driving a truck. And then we get to Iraq and I'm like, okay, I know why I I'm doing why this. I did this. <laughs> it made sense. Dude, I said that shit about hiking my entire career. Hated hikes. I felt like they did nothing but hurt Marines. And it was stupid. Boy, hated them. Did a McCree when I checked into 3-6. Well, it wasn't really McCree, but it was like 22 and a half miles. It was supposed to be 20 miles. And we took a wrong left on the tank trail. Added yeah. 2.5. It was horrible. Did y'all have like a second lieutenant who was leading y'all? No, no. Uh, the colonel. Colonel awesome. Christmas. 3-6 renowned. And we got back from that and got to the softball field. Not only that, we dropped packs. We've been going for like, I don't know, eight hours or something. We started like in the evening, like 10 o'clock maybe because it was cooler. And it was like 7 a.m. when we got done or something, right? So we, everybody's done. We dropped packs. And we're not done, turns out. Now everybody needs to put a... Uh, tug of war team together from each element and then we're going to have a tournament of tug of war and i mean you know how it is just to do a regular hike but then to do an all the way up all guns all tripods all a bags all everything and go for 20 miles on the cadillacs man you're not in good shape to to pull a rope but there was a there was a message and there was a there was a point to it um because and, and i remember the colonel saying this that day we got done and of course i got volunteered to go pull a rope and we weren't going to beat weapons company. These guys are jacked. Yeah. You know, all they do is work out and eat and um, whatever. They're always bigger. So uh, we get out there, we lose. But the point was the 20-mile hike was the movement to the objective, and now we got to war. You need to be ready after that and, yeah. and dig down wherever it is you go inside your soul and find that thing. That says, now we're here, and I know I'm hurt, but now I need to do work. Now it's right. time to go. Full send all the way, let's go. And I hated it. Even that night, I went back, I was cussing it. Like The whole bottoms of everybody in my squad's feet was basically gone. One big blister. You know, you're getting in the shower, and blood's just pouring out of your thighs, and your groin, and your ass cracks chafed, and everything's... Then we got to Marja, and we did the 17-click clear, where some of it was under fire and fighting, and it's like, mmm... Because you know what? It wasn't the worst. Yeah. It wasn't the worst my feet had felt. It wasn't the most tired I had ever been. It wasn't the hottest I had had ever been. And that day, the only thing I could think about was... I wish I would have done tug of war. Boys, that hike was worse than this. Yeah. That was harder. And they were like, yeah. So when you have something worse to go to, it's like, okay, this isn't the worst then. Yeah. Right? You know, oh, it yeah. does something for you mentally. So, yeah. There's a purpose to that stuff for sure. For sure. So... You do the full workup. You do the CACs. You go range 400. Uh, what what infantry unit do you guys go with? You we remember? We was with, I want to say, 3-6 and 1-2. No, 1-6 and 1-2. 1-6 and 1-2. Yeah, 1-6 and 1-2. And are you deploying? They're deploying too, obviously, yep, yep. if they're at CACs. So now mm-hmm. you guys get a little uh, a little link up. You get yeah. a little operating time with each other, which is smart. Yeah. I think we've come a long way with some of that stuff. And now you're going to be supporting these guys on this next deployment. Exactly. Right? So, And then you come back from CACs. I assume you do some kind of pre-deployment leave. Yeah, or? we get like 10 days. And mm-hmm. then we're – because we weren't supposed to – don't want to dump that over. No. Um, I don't think we were supposed to deploy as quick, but something happened. Somebody fell out or got something up, and we got shooted up. Yeah. yeah. And where do you go? We go to Fallujah. Oh, good. Oh, 05, yeah. Right after Phantom Fury. Right after – so we get there like January, February of 05? Oh, yeah. A lot of my SOI uh, stick went to Fallujah too. Like they graduated, combat replaced into units there, oh, yeah. and then pushed. My roommate from uh, from boot camp, Peyton Williams, did too. Um, 
Yeah, they, and Fallujah 2 was no – Phantom Fury was no joke. I mean, mm-hmm. going in the first time and getting pushed back out, that's like, okay, this is going to be tough. But then you go in um, – I was just at a retirement for uh, Matt Piano up at the museum in Quantico, and uh, and he was there. He got shot in the head in Fallujah. And hard as woodpecker lips, great leader, great mentor, great dude. But he, he took one he took one to the running lights there, and, and uh, he ended up being my platoon sergeant over at SOI at ITB. Uh, with the tactics instructor group for a while got to hear some of his some of his tales of of going through Fallujah and you can look it up there's a great um for any of the listeners out there that want to see a little piece of that there's a great uh video on YouTube or they got uh Cedar in the background out of my way and it's the thundering third going in and and just absolutely decimating the fighters of Fallujah just absolutely getting after it and i like i watched that video coming in like ah yes and then got to show those kind of videos right. later on to to other marines so um amazing but so fallujah phantom fury is taking place and it's not still it's not like it's ex- okay awesome place to be still but it, it, it had a little bit of oh yeah we the i think fallujah still had a um um, a curfew so nobody could leave Fallujah after like 1800 at night you couldn't I think it, I think the gates was open like 7 in the morning to 1800 at night mm-hmm. we had to bring in all the x-ray machines x-ray everybody the bad thing about it is everything pushed out mm-hmm. so we had to go through karma we had to go through yeah. all these other towns where they're making tons of IEDs and making all kinds of crazy stuff mm-hmm. and then we go up what the hell is the name of the town it was north of Fallujah and Somebody had a good idea because we was a motor T company with, mm-hmm. and we had attached MPs. Mm-hmm. Let's do MSR security. We can help the grunts out. Like route clearance? No, we just go post up. If they need help on, on a bridge. Guns waiting. What, no, we post up on a bridge from midnight to zero six and just wait for backlays. Mm-hmm. But we made this crazy ass gun vehicle. So, you know, a regular seven ton only has a turret. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the old pedestals that was in the back of Humvees? Yeah. So we welded two of those in the back of the seven ton. So they could run up? No. So we would have three crew serve weapons per seven ton when we post up on this. Get after it. Yeah. So we'd have a 240, a 50, and a mark. <laughs> Fucked on, up if you hit that yeah, vehicle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not come around us. Yeah. But then we're going out like I'm all through ITX or CACs or whatever the hell they call it now. Um, we're doing all these uh, like foot patrols. And I'm like. I'm motor T. Why the fuck am I doing this? Mm-hmm. There's no reason I should be going on. I got a truck. I got a crew serve gun. If I can go through that house, I can just drop through it. Mm-hmm. Every night we go on foot patrol. <laughs> I'm like, that's why. <laughs> I'm like, why? Well, you know, it kind of became that. And even later, like when I was in Marja, they had guys that, um, I think it was 210 golf battery, maybe that were, uh, you know, here's a golf battery, golf battery, 210, an artillery unit. And, they're providing all of their own local security. Oh, yeah. They're doing security patrols. And if if that turns into a contact patrol, then so be it. You better be ready to, to fight your arty squad yeah. through it. And they, they did. Like, they got to a point where they were. And I remember coming home from that. Um, I went over to 210 because one of the uh, – it was our, our fires officer took, took a company over there at 210. And he had me and Herbie, my machine gunner with the spider bite, and a couple other guys come over there and run patrolling exercises with them. And we, I dug in IEDs for them, the simulators, mm-hmm. and blew them up and just gave them a taste of it because they were about to go back for Marja too. 
and he knew what the guys did when we were there. So right. he didn't want his arty guys like not being spun up, knowing that they were probably going to man an AO from their gun, you know, gun firing line and have to run those security patrols and stuff. And that's something out there for you guys. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter what your MOS is when you have a when you have a main operation uh, going down, and you should be paying attention. If you're motor T, if you're artillery, you are going to find yourself. Uh, if you're not paying attention, you're going to find yourself in a desperate situation when you get to country and you can't stay in the crew serve weapon truck and drive through a house. And your command says, oh, no, you're going on the you're going on the daddies today. Yeah. Put I mean, your boots on. Shit, a third of my platoon in, in, in Afghanistan wasn't motor T. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and I mean, like, do you know how to – you see that D button? That means drive. You see the R button? That's reverse. Brake, gas, go. No key. Don't worry about it. Yeah, Push. don't worry about key. Yeah. <laughs> Keep your fucking foot on the gas until I say <laughs> something else. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, did you guys have like speed limits in the in the beginning? Um, we when had, when you first got there, I know in the very beginning they didn't really, but we kind of ish. Um, you guys were moving a lot faster than we were than we are today, right? Or yeah, not? yeah. We was probably well. Afghanistan was a little different because it was we, only one, one road. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, Iraq, we probably pushed forty five, fifty miles an hour. Yeah, because we're driving a lot from Fallujah Al Assad because they was building all the um, the Iraqi forces up right, right there beside Fallujah, so we. Mm-hmm drive them up through hit all the way to Al-Assad. And that was the best convoys ever because Al-Assad had a pool. No shit. Yeah, and when we good. drove there, we always got five hours rest time. Pool. Pool. <laughs> Four hours and 45 minutes of that time in the pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we, the pool's all clean. We all get in. We get out. The pool's brown. Murky. Like, <laughs> like what the? I haven't had a shower in three days. What know? do you want from me? What do you want from me? Yeah. We never had pools. Uh, Oh, they had a But I know that the I know a lot of guys did. A lot of guys that got in the inner cities had the mansions yeah. and and some some decent setups. And Rawal, we had a real big house, but didn't have a pool. Or uh, it was just outside of Rawal, I suppose. Okay. Um, yeah, they had a pizza hut there and a coffee place. It was amazing. Yes, yeah, I saw it had a lot. Yeah, that's where all the wingers went. I went through Alkheim. They had a lot too. They oh, did they? Like, yeah, they had a lot when I. Well, I mean, I wasn't there very long. But yeah. The little bit of time I was there. And we ended up operating out like at Camp Gannon, Syrian border side. Yeah. Um, um, and then we finished up in Rawa as like site security. That was like 07 time frame. Okay. 06 maybe. No, 07. Uh, yeah, that's wild, dude. Yeah, I always wondered about the speed limits because sometimes it's like, okay, I get it. There's a lot of IDs in there. You got to watch it. And then sometimes it's like, dude, get off the road and get to me. Yeah. Like damn the speed limit. I need you know. I need well, some help. Well, that was a good thing about us in Iraq. We had an MP company with us, mm-hmm. so they would shoot up two, three, four clicks ahead of us, clearing oh, the road. That makes it nice. So we just they tell us, okay, we got to slow down. We're running a little robot thing to check this out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they'd be up three, four, five clicks ahead of us. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. I never, I never had to do that, man. I was always on my feet. I was helicopter company almost virtually every unit I was in. So, uh. I didn't have to worry about route clearance. Some of our guys got trucks in, in the last one and they got blown up running supplies up to like us outposts and stuff like right. that. And it's just such a desperate, like you have to go, you have to take it. You're quite certain that you're going to get blown up. At least your convoy. You don't know if it's going to be your truck or not. Right. But, um, and, and IDs, man, from the beginning came a long way and, and they're using potent ass shit. Now. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Hey, you guys were facing mainly like uh, double and triple stack 155s, right? Yeah. 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 Um, a few anti At least in Iraq. Yeah. 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 I did one mission with, um, 
I don't remember what recon unit it was, but it was it was one of the recon units that was south of Fallujah down in, I want to say, Zidon or something okay. like that. It was like 20 clicks south. They had a blown up seven ton. It's been there for like 15 months. Mm-hmm. They go sweep through this town. They're like, hey, we need to recover this vehicle. Has no tires on it. The Iraqis have done, stripped everything they could off of it. So we drive out there with, with a tank wrecker, an 88, mm-hmm. because that's the only thing that's going to pick up a seven ton. Yeah. Roll out there. You know, I hook up the guidelines on it. The star major COs with us, you know, like the regimental because they're out in TQ. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're with us on that trip, and we're like, oh my god, I can't fuck shit up today. The boss is here. <laughs> Eight, hooked the ADA up to it, bring that seven ton up about five foot, and all of a sudden, an anti tank mine falls out. And oh I think I god. shit my pants a little bit just thinking about it. You, you know, watched it, it fall out. Yeah, and I'm like, all I hear is the eighty eight zip up. It closes. They're like not moving, and I'm holding this guideline. I'm like, what the fuck do I do? What do I do? What do I do with my hands? I'm and, new. <laughs> and, and everybody's like, run. So I just kind of slowly put the guideline down, run behind a building. Their EOD co- dude comes out, you know, silkies, shower shoes. Of course. No shirt on. Coolest guys in the Marine Corps. Helmet, you know, <laughs> his Kevlar on. I, I, I think he had a, a plate carrier, but no shirt on, on, on underneath. Naturally. He walks up there just casually. Kicks it with his foot. And he's like, oh, it's all good. They throw it in the canal. We load everything up and go. I'm like, what the fuck? I wonder how big his door is to his tent. Oh. Like to get his balls in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because during this time, we got mortar fire. Because that was my first combat action ribbon. We got mortar fire during that time. We had small arms fire during that time. And I'm like. Did you, did you guys get ambushed? Are they just hitting you? Just randomly, like sporadically hitting them. Because like re- pop shots at yeah. your convoy? Well, no, when we was outside the vehicles. So when we was recovering that, like, oh, yeah, like yeah. recons over there, like getting some. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, sure. Um, I, don't, I don't know what to do with my hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're a sergeant on this one? No, I was a corporal. You're still a corporal yeah. on this one, yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. I had a couple of instances like that, not so scary. And it's kind of makes me like almost like applaud the, the enemy forces there for stuffing a mine up in it, knowing that you're going to come get oh, it. Oh, yeah. And, like, they're not stupid. Strategic. Like, yeah, very smart. Yep. Yeah, go ahead, lift this up. Boom, now your record's down. Yep. Right, yeah. And then the ambush starts. <sighs> Man, them complex ambushes. They get you. Yeah, they got me before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those uh, rocket or mortar explosion IED initiated, followed up by... All hell. Pouring 762 on you like a water bucket. Yeah. Yep. That's that's not fun. Okay, so you guys mitigate the mine. I I think what I was going to say is we didn't find an anti-tank mine, but when I was in Iraq, we were down on the Euphrates, and we found an S-vest that had been stowed for somebody in like a plastic bag or something. Really secure uh, a container. Well, you know, but that's what they do though, and it's effective. Just look like trash to us. Yeah, you're right. Well, it didn't that day. It didn't look like trash to my point man. He's like, "Oh, there's pink debt cord on a vest up here." I'm like, "Yeah, I know what that is." Stay the fuck away. You know what that is too. (laughs) And it was one of those like in early Iraq, man. If you didn't have EOD directly attached to you, man, you were waiting because you know at that time we hadn't built up the ID threat was kind of growing and it was like oh we need a lot of these guys but we hadn't fielded them and trained enough of them so they were spread thin throughout everywhere we were at they were thin yeah and i remember sitting on that damn s vest for god it it must have been six or eight hours that we near side far far side cordon this bitch down on the river and you know your ass is in the wind and i'm not hating anybody but it was just bad times and what they do they came up picked it up and tossed it in euphrates yeah 
And it's like, you could have called me and I, told I, me to do I, that I eight do that hours too. ago, and I'd have, I'd have been more than happy uh, to do that. Yeah, we was going up towards Al-Assad or something like that, and there was a possible ID. There was a rock formation in the middle of the road. Mm-hmm. EOD's like, well, we can get there in 10 hours or shoot a rocket shoot at it. Shoot something <laughs> at it. <laughs> but we didn't tell you you could shoot something at it. Just saying. I'm like, okay. Roger. Roger. That's Solid like, copy. That's one of those calls back to the back to your house. Like, a hey, uh, standby for shot over. What? Uh, I'm about to shoot this thing with my rocket. Most of them wouldn't care, I don't think. No. Especially if you had some pressing shit and now you're going to be 10 hours behind. Well, we had a, three truckfuls of Iraqis. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And we beat the shit out of them in the back of those seven tons. Dude, anybody in the back of a seven ton gets beat the shit out of. They say you can fit 16, you can always fit five more. There's always room. (laughs) (laughs) That's ITB rules. One, two, three, shift. Yeah, dude. That's funny. Nut to butt. You guys got hit by that one of those mines. There have been body parts flying everywhere. Everywhere. We had shit fall on because we'd haul ass down. It came out of there like a Pringles can, dude. Yeah. Well, like going through hit up to Al Assad from Fallujah, like that road is shattered with old IED blast. Mm-hmm. So we're just like bouncing around. We had armor falling off the back of the seven ton. We'd have tailgates fall off. And you I'm sure hit. it's not fun gunning in that either. No, it's it especially sucks. when you're standing on that platform, you're getting worked. And I was a 19 gunner mm-hmm. and you know how they used to put the things in there that you could control it. Mm-hmm. Mine broke. You get a gust of wind, <laughs> just swings <laughs> you around. We're going to Baghdad a few times. And because that muzzle been, awareness becomes oh, important. Eh? God, yeah. and, and like, it gets 70 degrees and you're freezing because mm-hmm. it was 110 that day. Yep. And you're up in the gun at midnight and a gust of wind comes through and you're like, spin <laughs> you around. Don't they have like, I think they got to a point where they became electronic. Yeah. Now they're electronic, which is dope. Yeah. And yeah. you can still free. Spool. You can free gun. Yeah. yeah. If you're on targets or something yeah. and you have to move from the shoulder, but spinning like that is awesome. I, again, I was never in them. I never got the opportunity. I think I might have been, I mean, I fired a machine gun at a range from a turret and stuff like that, but most of, most of it's just been, I fired a machine gun in Marsha, but it was one of those things like, hey, I'd really love to fire your 240, can I fire it? Yeah. Sure. You fire it, you clean it. <laughs> Pass. No, 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 I'm just kidding. I love the 240, dude. I love the Mark II, but the 240 is just so fast and so loud and just violent, snappy. Yeah. Whenever I'd hear a 240 go off, it's like, ah. See, and I, w- I went to, like, the two-week machine gunners course that they had over at Lejeune before we deployed yeah, yeah. Iraq. And I was like, you're a pretty big dude. We're going to put you on the 19. <laughs> so, you know, you know, the first week you learn all the, all the machine guns, mm-hmm. the, the 40, the 50, or the 240, 50, and Mark. And then they split everybody up. Okay, you're going to be a 50. You're going to be a 240. You're going to be a 19. Like, I'm the only dude learning the 19. And I get all the rounds. Hell yeah. So I'm at the range. That's a fun gun. Oh, it is. Because you, you can watch your rounds fly through the air. Yep. <laughs> run, Fuzzy Bunny, run or something like that. Something like that. <laughs> something like that. I think that's the edited, uh, redacted version. Child, child-friendly version, not redacted. Yeah, because I'm sure there's a lot of children that listen to this. Yeah, die, motherfucker, die is usually what we go with. Ours was run, motherfucker, run. <laughs> Either way, it's a good six to eight round burst coming mm-hmm. downrange, so it works out. So how's that end up? You guys ended up, you ended up getting a record? Yeah, so so, so, so we, we ended we up, 
Uh, we ended up getting it out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Just towed it back. Everything was okay. Yeah, and just put it right on the truck and haul its ass back. Hell yeah. Any other SIG events from that one? Yeah, we had um, They didn't call them Lioness back then. It was just the female search team. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember back in 05 when the female search team got hit. That was our Marines. I think it killed like seven or eight females. I know about yeah. it. I just, man, and, and I was foggy. Yeah, and I was the recovery NCO, so I did all recovery missions. Mm-hmm. I was always on call. Mm-hmm. And we had to sit out there and just watch this burn because we couldn't rounds are cooking off in the in the in, in the cab and everything yeah yeah I, th- I, th- I think i had two marines from my platoon there that's rough yeah one got burned up pretty good they made it yep both yep. of them yep how'd they get out it threw them out because it was a it was a suicide vehicle with two one five five rounds on it mm. so it just flipped the seven ton on its side and everything was hot and cooking, and yep. they got burned up, but yep. they were able to... Yeah, it kind of just threw them out. A bunch of, like, um, burns inside their mouth from inhaling and stuff like that. Yeah, Because the air was so hot inside yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. driver, gunner, and a driver all... I want to say they was 1-6, I want to say maybe. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but they all passed. Because when they flipped over, like our armor sucked back then. Mm-hmm. We had that L shape armor, mm-hmm. and if you if it moves at all, it locks your door. Mm-hmm. You can't get out. Yeah. So that was probably the most significant event we had. Did is that the reason they started going to different doors? Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I, right after that we start. But right after that we started getting the actual up armored stuff. Yeah. 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 And that's way when, heavier. That's when the doors and the, and the um, they made those huge. Remember they made those huge door handles. Yeah. To, to combat lock them and stuff. To yeah. combat lock them and to be able to get out if you were burning. And you had that little tiny porthole that you could stick your gun out and maybe shoot something. Yeah. Nobody ever did that. It wasn't real great. Yeah. Although, you know, it may be real great if people are trying to pull your door open. Yep, true. And you're in a bad situation. At least you can give them a gut shot or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's tough, man. And and when you say you're watching it, were you like first on scene to go recover it, or they already had a cordon off? They already had triage going, and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, they already had uh, the, the the triage was already going. Like they've already evacuated everybody they could okay, back to Fallujah. Check, check. We're just out there sitting ducks in, in the city of Fallujah, waiting for this thing to cool down so we pick it up. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't a lot of thought put into that one. They was like, just go get it. Some. Okay, like I understand we're going to get our equipment and stuff, but to put people out with their ass in the wind if there's nothing of high-valued intelligence inside that vehicle is like, okay, hit it with a hit it with a hellfire. Yeah, it's already burnt the fuck they up. They will pick everything up, yeah. and they will use it. Like they'll take yeah. the metal, all that'll be good. Um, instead, we're going to send you know a platoon of Marines to go sit and watch it burn so they can pick it up as soon as it's out. It's just, yeah, I don't know if I could get down with that, but. It happened. Yeah. Yeah. Happened all the time. Yeah. Check. So, coming back from this, are you going to a new unit now? Or are you I, staying I, at the same unit? I, I got orders to recruiting duty. Oh, get some. New York City oh. from Alabama. Traveling. <laughs> I got that yellow tag. They didn't tag. think that through either, did they? <laughs> well, I got that yellow tag, travel and adventure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so as soon as I get back, I get promoted to sergeant. You go to uh, recruiting school? Yeah. That's uh, Cali, right? Yeah. Yeah, because there's only one, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, MCRD San Diego. Did you have to yell at a tree? What's it? No. You didn't yell at no. trees? No. We watched a lot of people yell at stuff. But some people yelled at trees? Nah, I don't, I don't think many people. Oh. There was a bunch of people yelling at themselves because they can't talk. <laughs> you wouldn't... Uh, you think Marines can talk to Marines? Yeah. But I tell you, 
I need you to talk five minutes about this. Mm -hmm. People freak out like, um, there's a button. It's white. No, you sell this to me. Yeah. Nobody's ever sold. Yeah. And they're like, um, I I don't know. They look like Ricky Bobby. I don't know what to do with my hands. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But that was a pretty interesting school. Yeah. I mean, you learn how to sell. Yeah. Or you don't. Yeah. But you should. I, I, I could probably sell ice to an Eskimo. Yeah. Let's get some. Yeah. Ketchup popsicle to a lady in white gloves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. My dad's a salesman, and uh, I was inundated with that kind of stuff growing up. So if somebody told me to talk five minutes about a remote, it's like, oh yeah, five, just five. Just who made this? But then we have to give do, me two minutes. Oh, we'd have to do anger speeches. What's that? Like you're mad. So you'd start off all calm, and then you have to get mad about it, and then you have to calm yourself back down. That was probably the hardest one there. Why well, do they do that? Emotions. Clue, uh, control your emotions yeah. when you're angry or when mm-hmm. you're in a tense situation. That's yeah. smart. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. What's that? Yeah. I said, hell yeah. That I, I, I've heard a lot of stories about people going to recruiting school and sales pitches and stuff like that. Yelling at trees, yelling at different things, but I never heard any, I never, nobody's told me that. Like a lot of the time, like before you, like you don't get any prep on your speech. Mm-hmm. You walk outside and you draw a thing out of a cup and you have two minutes to think about it. Two, three, four minutes to think about it. And then you go in. Hello class. Mm-hmm. My name is Sergeant Rose. Mm-hmm. Today, I'm here to talk about blue pens. And you're like, thing about blue pens. Yeah. All kinds of different kinds. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's awesome, dude. We did a little. We should do more of that. Just human beings in general should be speaking to each other, having intelligent conversations. So it's not like something foreign when you have to get up in front of somebody and make a presentation. And look, if you're not making presentations, check. If you're a Marine, you should be a good speaker. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that made up. me a better leader because you're selling. Yeah. When you get on recruiting duty, you have to sell beyond the close. Mm-hmm. Yes, you won't travel and adventure in college. What's that going to do for you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can do that to your Marines, to your employees. Like, hey, man, what what do you really want to get out of this job? Mm-hmm. Why did you join the Marine Corps? Why did you do? And that continues. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was just at a buddy's house who's a staff sergeant. And he's asked me questions. Like, hey, man, you just came off recruiting duty. What did you learn out there? I didn't even think about that. Like, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah, I think that's one thing that um, we should be better about in general, as, as everybody, but Marine specifically. It's like, you do have a job, and that's your job. And in that job, and in those jobs, you're going to get different experiences. Those experiences do translate. It's yeah. a matter of finding how they translate. the angle to yeah. how they translate. 100% the Marine, Marine Corps gives you the fundamental building blocks to, in all services, in my opinion. They give you the building blocks to be a good person. And it's how you use and shape the experiences that you get after that right. and how you apply them forward to, to make a difference. And if you want to apply those to make and a difference. And if you want to, yeah. yeah. Some people don't. Some people are comfortable not. But I'm not. I want to try to, I want to, try to give everybody as much... You know, because people like you, people like me, John Wayne Williams, the guys on the shows, these guys that are currently hitting, get them on here and show those experiences. It's just as good as reading a book or watching a movie about your profession. You can get on there and learn. So far, we've talked about a couple of different things that maybe we didn't agree with that, that, that we would make that call just in your story. And so guys that are watching this could be like, hmm, do we really send somebody out on a cordon for five and a half hours waiting on a building or, or, or or a vehicle to burn down so they can wreck it back? Or is there maybe a better thing that we can do? Like, there's lessons to be learned right. from all of our fuck-ups, you know? Um, 
and and if we put them on here and we bring light and we talk to them, talk about them, it's essentially a mini after action. It's a little TDG yep. for these guys that are watching it that are still doing it. So that's another big thing. So uh, coming out of that one, what happens? Uh, I mean, you recruit for like three years, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was on Long Island for three years. Very interesting. Very because I'm the only white guy in the office. Mm-hmm. The other three, rec- other two recruiters are Spanish speaking people. Which is probably good there, right? Yes. They get the rich white area. Mm -hmm. I get the Hispanic area. Builds character. Yeah. Well, rich white area and Hispanic, like down to heated driveways so they don't have to shovel snow. Mm -hmm. But then you cross the railroad tracks and it's just That's That's your zone? Yeah. Normal people. Yeah, just normal people. Just normal, struggling, everyday people. I'd rather talk to them anyway. I couldn't talk to them because half of them didn't speak English. Oh, so this was rough. Yeah. So anytime I had to talk to a parent, I'd have to call one of my other recruiters. Hey, man, can you come out? And I love talking to Hispanic parents Mm -hmm. because you show up and there's a spread of food everywhere. Oh, yeah. They take care of their guests. Yeah, because it was mostly El Salvadorian and Hondurian. And like you show up and there's a spread of food. I'm just like, hey, Vinny, you got this. And I'm just sitting there (laughs) chowing. Hey, ask him this. Shoveling food. Food is phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. And and my office was right next to a bodega. So that was even better. Every day I just walk over to the bodega. It was amazing good stuff yeah now in the inner city i'm sure you guys have it do you have a smaller ao no so i had five high schools uh my biggest one graduates around 700 people and my smallest graduated about 200 people okay but two of my schools i couldn't even go in in uniform one i could only go in one time they wouldn't let you no they wouldn't let you yeah yeah had one i could go one one day every year Mm -hmm. in uniform the other one, I couldn't go in uniform at all, so I kind of, I volunteered for the football team. I'd come out one day a week or two days a week during practice, and I'd just wear a tracksuit. Mm-hmm. It says marines.com mm-hmm. or a 1-800-Marines or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. And I'd just, hey, you know you can run faster if you do this, right? Hey, what are you eating? You could eat better, and that's the only way I could get in high school. Wow. I, I got one dude to join from that high school that was a janitor. No high school kids. You're like, hey, did you want to get paid more and do fun stuff? He probably, he probably getting paid better there. Oh, yeah, it could be, <laughs> right? could be. You want to take a pay cut? Yeah. But love yourself? Yeah. Yeah, man, that's rough. So was I assume making mission in this environment was... Uh, it was hard because this that's was... What, that's yeah, what I was going to say. Yeah, this was the, fun. Yeah, this is when we did the push to 202. So we was building the force. Uh-huh. And up there, there's the, you either have smart people or you have people that can't read by Ryan Rogers. Mm-hmm. And it's not a whole big in between there. Yeah, it's not a whole. All the smart dudes want to be a grunt. All the dumb dudes and dudettes want to be Intel. And you're like, what? Naturally. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> we recruited a dude that was homeless living under a bridge. He scored a 98 out of 99 on the ASFAB. He's like, all I want to do is be a grunt. Here you go. Here's your paperwork. Day. You going to boot camp tomorrow? Good. Perfect. You ready to ship? Yep. Oh yeah. In that timeline, there was a lot of people that draw were, were called. Like, oh yeah. In their gut to go serve in the infantry, though, and the ghost. That that's kind of me. Like I went to my recruiter, like, hey, I'm ready. O three, if, if you can make that happen. Fast contract. Does that get me to O three? Okay, yeah. cool. Whatever you got. And so there were some of those in that time, just from probably our generation, yeah. people sitting watching American citizens jump out of a building to their death because it was so hot talk about it a lot on here that's that's something that impacted a lot of people and it should we yeah. should be impacted by that so 
though that made the recruiting uh, around the nation a bit easier, not so much up there for you. Eh? Well, smart people, dumb people, and then everybody has some type of marijuana charge. Oh, my God. In New York? Yeah. Oh. What dr- Heroin was getting really big back then when I was there. But everybody had, they got caught with a joint or they got caught with a nickel like bag. A possession charge. A possession charge. And then we got to go through the whole rigmarole, getting a waiver, going to get the court minutes. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. But there weren't many people that we would, back then we would give a lot of waivers. I had a dude that took the ASVAB five times and couldn't pass it. We still put him in. Wow. What was he? Um, I don't even remember. He may have been Motor T. I don't know if like you open contracted something. Yeah, he like yeah he was probably open contract. Of the Marine Corps kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. So with open contract, I think the only thing you can't be is a grunt or a cook. You know what? There's something to be said about that though, because I don't care. Like you can take a guy that maybe had a rough life growing up and struggled academically, and you can still build him into a pretty good, a pretty oh, yeah. good charactered person, a well-read person. Mm-hmm. Like if he has good leaders in, in in his time in the service, whatever service that is, you can still you can still fix a lot of things and build a great human being, and they can do wonders for you in combat. Just because they had a low score doesn't really mean yeah. mean they're not going to drag you by your they're, out they're, of a, yeah they're not doing trigonometry out on the battlefield. No, I mean, well, they and, might not be snipers, yeah. but they know how to shoot. Like you can teach anybody how to shoot. There's no math in it. I, I mean, at a short range, right? So. I had some of the guys, you know, some of the guys throughout my career that I just thought were, man, this guy struggles. Not even bad guys. And then we get in country and they're a beast. Yeah. You know, so I don't judge. I don't judge on the on the IQ score. Uh, Again, I'm from Alabama, so I, I'm not hating on that at all. No, you, you can't. <laughs> you, you can't. I don't know. We do a weird thing in the in the uh, infantry, like how we break guys up, like the weapons MOSs get the higher IQ guys uh, or higher ASVAB score guys than the than the O3s get. This is still a job. Yeah. And you can learn your job if you try to learn your job. You know what I mean? It's not. I don't think you got to be a genius, in my opinion. I, I have a PhD. I'm good. Plain high school diploma. <laughs> I love it. Uh, you probably got a PhD in suffering, uh, too. So we, there's that. Um, you did full. You did a full recruiting tour three years, right? Yeah. Up there? Okay. All, all 36 one-month tours. Good time. Every month is different. Thirty-six one month tours. I got yeah. you. Yeah, you could you can make mission this month. Come the fifth of next month. Hey dog, why haven't you wrote a bone? Well, why 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 are you on a zero? Well, I wrote seven last month. Well, you should have saved two for this month. Guys lose their mind on recruiting duty a lot, huh? Yeah. Because it's like a deployment stateside. Because you're always working. But then you have the eighty-four twelves, the career recruiters. That they are master guns. I think. I don't it, think I understand all that. So he's been on recruiting duty for like twenty two years. Just because he's good at it. Because he's good at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so they're using his talent to say, "Hey, this yeah. guy can make an office put out, and we get good numbers yeah. out of him." But it's all about business, you know. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not a. I wouldn't say it's not a organization then, but they treat it more like a business. Like I had to make one hundred and fifty phone calls a day to get four appointments. Out of the four appointments, I know one's going to turn into an interview. And for every three interviews I have, I'm going to get a contract. It's all systematic. Yeah, there's process. But that's smart. I mean, yeah. when you add it, when you have a system, a built-in proven system, it fall in and follow the steps. Bop, 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 bop. doesn't always work out the same, but there is a system. Yeah. You know. I still use stuff today from recruiting. Our, our daily schedule, I use every day. Because mm-hmm. it 
I come out with my plan, what I actually do, what phone calls I got to make, what appointments I got, what meetings I got, mm-hmm. and I, I still use it to this day. I'm a whiteboard kind of a guy, I, but again, because I it helps. That's the way I learned coming yeah. up. We'd always have a whiteboard in the squad bay, or you know, at that platoon birthing, or mm-hmm. whatever the case. And so now, like, I put them in my office right where I have to look at them. Like, every day, I got to come out here and I got to work. So, I put all of my stuff up here, things I'm thinking about, things I'm talking about. And then I'm using my phone. I'm using my tablets, you know, calendars inside. It's smart. And it keeps you task-oriented, you know. Uh, If you write those things down and you have to look at them, then you're going to, you know, for me, it's like I force myself to hold myself accountable. Like, you should have put it on the damn whiteboard. Go do it. You know, like, I'm talking to myself like that. You're the one to put it up there. Get a, get after it. So, yeah, being scheduled, being routine like that is great. And, like, I think another thing I got from the Marine Corps is just that having a mission as soon as I get up. Sometimes the if I don't have something going on in the morning, I got to go, I, I got to I gotta have something, right? So if I don't get up and I don't have something going on, I'm not meeting somebody, I'm not recording, I'm not reading or writing something, I got to jump in the truck and, like, do a lap. Right. Just, to, just, just my head gets, you know, like, come down. Okay now go build a plan kind of thing, yeah. you know, because if I don't have one when I get up, that's a that's a tough time. So, all right, so you do a full tour, and you're going back to the fleet. Where are we going? Right back to Lejeune. Right back, same unit? Same motor pool, same everything. Same place you left? Yep. What, you still know people there when you get back? No, it, it, changed, it changed units. So it's it was TSB, then it moved to CLBs. and oh, okay, uh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And so, okay, so you're getting in – Beginning of a workup? Yeah, so we were supposed to deploy, I want to say June, July. I mm-hmm. got back in, say, January-ish. So, again, right back into the fight. Mm-hmm. We go up to AP Hill, and that's when, uh, I want to say it was President Obama's like, hey, we're pushing 10,000 more troops into Afghanistan. So, like, we've been in AP Hill for four days, five days. What, what time frame are we talking this about? This was now? 2009. Nine. So this is coming up to a margin. Yep. This coming up to General McChrystal's request. Mm-hmm. Yep. 30,000 more. Yep. So we got one of the, we was one of the battalions that went. Yeah. Uh, so we like shut everything down at AP Hill, mm-hmm. cease training, come back, 29 bombs. Spin up time. Spin up time. Come home. Hey, we got seven days. I was the assistant ops chief at the time because mm-hmm. uh, I had a bad knee. I wasn't, you know, I was, I was still kind of recovering. So they moved me to ops. Mm-hmm. I think about four or five days before deployment. It was four or five days before we go on our deployment leave. Uh, yeah, and they're like, hey, Rose, you're the new platoon sergeant for third platoon. I don't know any of these Marines. I Like, I know them being the ops chief, but I don't know them. I haven't worked with them. So that was very interesting. Then go on. that, And that was the, the snowpocalypse of D.C. So I was driving oh, up to Jersey. <laughs> and it usually takes about 10 hours to get up there. I think it took me 29 hours to drive up there. Miserable. Just stuck in snow. Just 95? 95. The whole way. I didn't see a single snowplow until I hit Maryland. <laughs> you were too far south. Yeah, I was too far south, and it sucked. No resources. Yeah, yeah it got seven days, came back, and we was we was out like a week later. Oh, yeah. When did you leave? We left uh, mid-January. Yeah, we left. We were supposed to leave January 2nd. Didn't turn out that way. We slept in customs at Cherry Point. Did y'all um, get, where's the place you go right before Afghanistan? That uh, uh, Kyrgyzstan? Kyrgyzstan. Did, did, did y'all get stuck there for a while? No, man. We flew into there and it was cold as shit and it was snowing. And um, man, we were there maybe two days or three days. We had to palletize some gear and yeah. get it ready for military birds because we flew commercial to there. Yeah. 
And then uh, from there, I think we took C-130s in uh, the zone, but it was only a couple of days. It wasn't. It wasn't bad. I think we was there for like a week. The ceiling was so low, they couldn't get a bird out uh, because all the mountains. Yeah. So we got to watch everybody drink beer because all because the people, you're not. Yeah, I'm like uh, I could really use a beer right now. Right. Yeah, that's a cool place though. Um, like I said, I didn't, I didn't spend that much time, that much time there. I can't remember. I want to say it was like four days. I know it was only enough days to like download our gear, yeah. get, get them on Air Force pallets, get everything staged. And we might have got, I don't even think we got rules of engagement or anything until we got in country. Oh, really? Yeah, I think we just kind of, there was a birthing, there was a chow hall. You know, you had shitters and pissers beside that. And it was just a couple of days, like doing the Marine Corps shuffle. You yeah. know, probably probably more just waiting on air to line up. Like what yeah. you're talking about, about the ceiling. It mm-hmm. very well could have been that, that's why we waited four days. I yeah. don't know. But yeah, I think we finally got in the country like close to the end of the month of January. Yeah. You guys came in right on our heels then. We may may have even been in Kyrgyzstan at the same time. I don't know. And then we just sit there and twiddle our thumbs for like three weeks. Now, you, then you can't. You, but from there, you came into Leatherneck, I would assume, yeah. right? Because yeah. that was the biggest landing platform right. at the time. Yeah, uh, yeah, we landed in, in, in there and we stayed there at Leatherneck. Yeah, yeah. and you operated out of mm-hmm. Leatherneck. Okay, okay, gotcha. Gotcha. All right, we'll talk about that getting into Leatherneck. That's uh, well, we got there with no mission. Got there with no mission, and it's cold. And no trucks. No. Would you there when it snowed, or yeah. everything froze? I feel like yeah. So we was in the tent city because that's like the transient area. Uh-huh, All the cool uh-huh. people had. I think they had some trailers or, or permanent tents. Yeah, we were in temporary GPs. Yeah. yeah. Pi- uh, like pallets all over the place for when mm-hmm. it rained. Mm-hmm. Well, at the end of it was where all the portageons was. Mm-hmm. And we got that monsoon for like two or three days. Mm-hmm. And then everything froze. They made the mistake of building all these tents in kind of a hole. So all the portageons floated oh, across no. to the other side and then froze. So you couldn't get to them because they're 15 feet into the water <laughs> in the ice. We're walking around like, I got to take a shit. Where do I go? You know, so everybody's everybody's getting in trouble for like shit behind Hesco container or uh, Hesco things. And we're like, oh, you got to go somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So the the line at the, at the chow hall, uh, Port of Shitters was always huge. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was the only one that was built up. Yeah. I don't remember having that problem when we got to Leatherneck, but we could have been in a different area than you. You know what I mean? Um, but we got to Leatherneck and we were only there for like 10 days, get, getting our end briefs yeah. and, and, uh, you know, talking to the Jag about ROEs and stuff like that. And then we pushed out to, to Dwyer mm. and then we stayed at Dwyer. We stayed at Dwyer until like February 12th or 11th. And we came back to Leatherneck for the flight in. Okay. And so I think it was February 12th, 12th. Yeah. 11th or 12th. We took off that, that those nights. So. Yeah, we, we, had were, a, we were probably on the same base at the same time. Yeah, we had a small, uh, I think we had a platoon reinforced up at Dwyer. Mm-hmm. No, Delarom. Delarom. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You had people at Fiddler's Green? No, we didn't go down. No. Uh, we was no further south than Leatherneck. Gotcha. Gotcha. We'd run missions and stuff down towards that way. Right. Like when we came down to Marge a few times, we'd come down there, like resupply all. You ever went to Hanson? Han- is that where... It was where the big radio tower was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because that's where y'all would drag all your blown up vehicles to. Yeah. And that's where we'd come to. Like I'd take photos of everything because y'all then you'd take them out of there. Yeah. Because yeah. y'all would always say we stole something off of it, so I'd take pictures. Of Not everything. y'all. Uh. Uh-uh. 
but I know some of y'all <laughs> that you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's good shit. So we'll get into it. You're at Leatherneck. You guys are starting to spin up for missions or you're not spinning up for a mission. You're kind of laying in waiting, laying and waiting until Mosh opens up. Yeah, because we had a reserve unit that we was replacing. So we had to do the whole turnover with them, sign mm-hmm. for all the vehicles, get all those vehicles fixed and all that stuff. So then we started, the majority of our mission starting off was moving all the all the um, the Gurkhas and the Brits and the French out of Nalzad and Musakela and moving, I think it was 2-1 we was moving in. They was moving into those. So we our convoys was like 230 vehicles long, oh like 17 clicks long. Like the enemy knew we was coming. We well, could, yeah. We could, I don't know if you attack a size that big, though. Did you guys get ambushed a bunch um, with that many vehicles? It depends on where we was going. And what's the comm like? Like, who's in who's who's in charge? That's hard because yeah. the British comm doesn't work with the US comm, the French comm. So I would we would have to put individuals with like a one nineteen to communicate with them. Yeah. And like the 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 British dudes are fucking hilarious. Oh, they're the, epic. They'll be riding around with no pants on. Oh, yeah. Because their AC doesn't work. So, like... They don't care. You go to open up the door, and the dude's just sitting there with boxers on. Mm-hmm. His pants around his ankles. I'm like, hey, man, what's wrong? Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Gurkhas give zero fucks about anything. Yeah, until that knife comes out. Yep. I have one. Then it's time to go to work. Yep. They don't unsheath those things unless, unless you kill some. Blood. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I had to kill a goat for it. You had you had a halal one? Up, yeah. Huh? Yep. Oh, yeah, because yeah. we would do Wadi security with him. And with the Gurkha guards, yeah, with the Gurkha guards, yeah. and it'd be a platoon of them and like ten people from my platoon, just mm-hmm. to learn what they're doing. So when we when they leave, we can take over. Because mm-hmm. when we do convoys up to Nalzad or Musa Kaila, it'd be a, like a three day convoy. Yeah, there. Yeah, they'd stay for two or three days, recover. We'd stay in the wadi, do security, do some foot patrols, and just make sure people aren't backlaying stuff. Mm-hmm. And then as they come back through, we hop on the back of the convoy and we follow them back. Check. Yeah. So they bring money and they'd go to local villages and buy a goat, buy yeah, a chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So every night we ate great. Dude, we did that too. Yeah. Uh, not every night, but we had some very good fresh killed meals, and lamb chops and whatnot. Yeah, like they're... A lot of times our A&A would just do it up for us, you know what I mean? Really? They'd have like, um, they'd go out and they would buy it. They would buy it from the locals, and they'd come back and halal it. And then later that evening, we'd have, like, you know, rice and all their vegetables yeah. sauteed up and, like, yeah, and lamb chops or, or, or but, you know, goats. Yeah, so. but it was smart because then the next time we rolled through that village, like, the village elders coming out, hey, 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 IED right here, IED right here. You want to spend another grand on a goat? I got two of them. Yep. Yeah. I'll spend a grand because you just saved me. Yeah. Yeah, we, we tried to help them out the best we could. We, we would buy ice. Um, we buy food and goats and stuff. They had even guy, the guy that I guess you could call as close to a fast food restaurant as you could get in a bazaar in Marja, but he would come out and do, uh, the pita bread mm-hmm. and, and fill it up with like uh, lamb or chicken or whatever, like the falafel yeah. kind. And it's hell on your stomach the first couple of weeks. But after that, it's yeah, like, you're good. Well, once you get used to, well, that's like drinking Lejeune water. Yeah. <laughs> it's like drinking Lejeune water. You're good. Hey, you're good. You could about good for everything if you yeah. can drink the water here. Well, well, that's right. I never got COVID. Drink lotion water. That's that <laughs> that that vaccine's been around for a while. <laughs> Since what the fifties? You know, it's been a minute. They got commercials about it. It's been that long. Yeah. Are you or any of your family experiencing these symptoms? Call JB and Roush Associates. Well, I, I kept drinking the lotion water, hoping I'd grow a third eye, so then I have two eyes. 
You'd be bit. You'd be better off. I'd, I'd be better off. Yeah. Even better if it was on the back. Yeah. Like two, like a dual cyclops. And then I'd got my own six. <laughs> no, you don't have my six because I have it. <laughs> it's funny that you uh, that uh, that you brought up ice because they wouldn't give us ice on Leatherneck. Yeah. So I had a corporal that kind of looked like an Afghani. Yes. So, and you know all the Terps get cannies, but yeah. no name tapes. Yeah. So we got an extra pair for him. <laughs> we give him a slick pair. And he'd go to the chow hall, be like, Mr. Mr. Ice Cooler, Ice. And they'd give him ice every time. But wouldn't give it to the Marines. But wouldn't give it to the Marines. Motherfuckers. <laughs> About the second time that worked, if I was that corporal, I'm slapping the teeth out of somebody's mouth. Yeah. Like, I'm a fucking Marine, you asshole. Yeah. I just asked you for ice yesterday and you wouldn't give me any. <laughs> ah. Yeah, but the way we cooled our stuff was socks. We just used tube socks. Yeah. You, you'd wet the tube sock, put your water in there. Hang it from the from the side mirror and drive for about ten minutes. It'll cool your shit down. Air cool it down. Yep. Fuck yeah. No, dude, we found a nice vendor literally on bronze or oh, on, really? on, uh, on six oh eight, and he lived off of six oh eight, and it sucked. But we would make a patrol like every ten days we'd rotate rotate or we rotate our duties. So you'd have like the OP picking in six oh eight or six oh five, one of the two, depending on where you were, and then you'd have. Um, patrol cycle for 10 days where you're just getting after it, doing direct hits, raids, and you're going mm-hmm. out, census to contact, contact to, or, you know, patrol to contact, getting in their backyard and in their face. And then you'd have, you know, after that 10 days, you'd go to 10 days like security on the post. Well, in our OP days, day one, there was always a patrol to the ice guy. And I know we set a pattern, but we went with some mass, so we were okay. And we'd go down there, and it'd be like a block of ice, like three foot by like oh, two shit. foot or two and a half foot, just enough that you could bear hug like this. And two of my junior guys would take turns, weapon slung, carrying this ice back. And it was like a click movement. So we worked for it, but we had bought this big igloo cooler from one of the locals. And we'd break the ice, like the big block in half or in, four, in quarters and put it in there. And that whole 10 days, our shit would stay ice cold. Like we'd buy like the, the Mouge Mountain Dudes yeah. and Pepsis and stuff like that from them too. And we'd have it in there and it was great. And then my guys got to the point where they didn't want to let other people have our ice because we paid for it and we patrolled it and we had it. So like on day nine, they'd fill it up with water and it would become like a chill bath for them to, they'd take all the drinks and shit out of it and they would sit in it and everybody get cooled down and then they'd dump it. So if somebody else wanted ice, they had to come buy their own ice. And I'm like, Hey, you guys are buying it. You're walking it back. I'm gonna let you do what you want with it. But, um, but everybody had that rotation. We all yeah. got to a point where we had that rotation. But um, cool. So now we're operating out of Leatherneck. You said Musakela, Nalzad, Nalzad. Where else? We we went to Marja a few times. That was mostly Second Platoon. But mm-hmm. but I was on a, on on a few. I'm just doing recovery stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, went to Delaram maybe once or twice. I, I did one recovery mission. Like twelve clicks north of Delaram, okay, and uh, some weird pass, and just to recover a vehicle. But okay. it was it was a lot of long day movements because we'd hit Nalzad up, then go from Nalzad back down around to Mustakela, mm-hmm. um, drop people, drop things and people off at that OP, and then a small detachment would go into Mustakela City, mm-hmm. drop off some stuff to the people that was there, the the debt that was there, and then pretty much come back. Mm-hmm. Just one time, because kind of if you look at a map, you're kind of going like a up, then down a little bit, then around. Mm-hmm. 
one time we decided to go through the pass because it was shorter. We stayed in Alzad overnight that night. They, they made an airdrop of water, a pallet of water. Mm-hmm. All the grunts there was like, dude, get, get back. This ain't going to work good. Fucking pallet comes down. Kaboom. Water bottles every fucking where. Yep. The engineer that was supposed to be dropped off there didn't get dropped off. So we had an ace, one of those berm builders. Mm-hmm. Nobody could drive it. So I loaded up on, on, on my 870. They start driving tire busts, tire busts. And the 870s have two, four, six, 12 tires. We're down to like four tires. And this ACE, it probably weighs about 35,000 pounds. Mm-hmm. It's up-armored, right? Yeah. 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 No, it was not up Oh, it's not armored. No, it okay. was. And I'm like, we, I made a command decision, called the platoon commander. Hey, we got off all this thing. I'll drive it. Oh, you're saying you were toting that back? We was toting it to um, to to Musa Kayla so they could build up their berms because Nalzad was already established. Was with it their the berm. weight that was messing your tires up? It was the weight and the rocks, yeah. but because an 870 hold probably sixty thousand pounds, uh-huh. but all the rocks were negotiating like trying to scoot around, just kept popping tires, yeah. popping tires because they're not as thick as like the MTVR tires, yeah. the seven ton tires. They're just regular road tires. So we offload this thing. And I'm trying to figure it out. Like, um, okay, there's no D button. A little tiny steering wheel. There's a bunch of levers. I just start fucking around with it. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, got it. We can go. I got like a little handheld. Like, oh, oh, with my platoon commander. Like, hey, we're, we're good. Go. And like the hydraulics on this wow. thing suck. Well, I think I got up to like 28 miles an hour. That's the, pretty good. The thing would move. Yeah. But the hydraulics in it would always fall. So you, <laughs> you'd be 20 miles an hour and all of a sudden, and then you'd have to oh, figure out where that lever's at again. If I, if I would have hit IED, I, I'd be just be pink mist. It, it, it was just, a, it was pretty much a Mountain Dew can with tracks on it. Yeah. Bad times. Yeah. Well, but, but thank God you didn't get hit in that. I made it there. You made it. <laughs> I was so happy to be back in a, in a, in a Matt V. I was like, oh God. In the comforts of armor. There's AC in there. You know, oh, yeah. W- when it did work. You know. Yeah. Once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the only thing I had was the wind hit me in the face because you could only see about this high. Yeah. And it was just, I was like, oh, please don't hit an ID. Please don't hit an ID. Please. And D- they were Jesus. there, dude. Oh, yeah. They were all over there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, we, so we did that a lot. And then 3-7 started moving across to go into Sangin. Yep. So we was doing some recovery missions for them. These incidental motor vehicle operators that are O3s don't think they need ground guides from time to time. Happens. Yeah. So you <laughs> do you remember those big holes they would dig mm-hmm. that, that they collect? They'd be like 25 foot deep. Mm-hmm. They was moving around the foot, and we always got hit up at the foot. Like, they are always ambushing us from the foot. They got in a, a tick or whatever. They decided to move the trucks real quick. They backed an MRAP into one of those holes because oh. they, they didn't need a ground guide. Of course. I, sh- I, I show up and there's like corporals, like the team leader, like, hey, Sergeant, um, we didn't think we needed a ground guide. I was like, are you going to have a ground guide next time? He's like, yeah, I don't want to lose a truck again. We had to walk a long ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Paid for that one. Yeah, he paid for that one. Yeah. But that was a messed up mission. Everything went bad that day. Our um, wrecker went down. One of Murphy's mission. Yeah. It, we, it was supposed to be like a three-hour mission. Ended up being like 18 hours because yeah. wrecker broke and this broke. One of my axles broke. So I'm like, I'm trying to... And it's the middle axle of the 870. So I'm trying to like use the winch off this seven ton to 
levy off of this one to pick this up to drag it underneath. And I'm, I'm kind of a gear queer when it goes out for truck stuff. And my platoon's all, sir, why, why do you have a breaching kit? I'm like, we'll, we'll need it. Just in case. Just in case. Mm-hmm. That day it came, it had, it had two grinders in it. Got to cut all the U-bolts off that axle and drug that son of a bitch out. Oh, yeah. And they're like, oh, we only had to use it once, but at least we had it. I'm like, yeah, that's. One is all you need. Yeah. <laughs> if yep. you need it once, have it. Yep. At least if you can. Yeah. Like I always had four or five just just fifty cal rounds, not the casing, just the bullet itself, some two forty rounds because they fit perfect for fixing an airline. Oh really? And eight, eight, uh, the eight seventy regular ones, a two forty round stops up an airline. So if you have an air leak, cut it, stop it. On the oh, echo, on, on the okay. Delta trailers, the fifty cal works perfect for the hydraulic ones, and they're like, "How do you know this is? It's happened. This happened a lot in Iraq. Yeah. I learned a lot, and I kept all that." In, you know, like I, I always keep a big thing of um, like the cheap pepper. Yeah. Because if you get a radiator leak, you pour pepper in there, it quits leaking. How's that work? It it, it finds the holes and stops it up and swells up. No so shit. that at least gets you back to base. Yeah. And they're like, why do you? How do you know all this stuff? I was like, Iraq. Yeah, and they're like, man. well, why don't they dude, teach that? Tools and tricks of the trade, yeah. dude. Yeah. Experience, learning it, and sometimes it comes when. Nobody's ever taught you that shit, but you're in a shitty situation. It's like, well, um, let's see if this works. We need to do something. Mm-hmm. Give me your pepper packet. Yeah. yeah, like I don't know how that went down the first time, but well, I knew that uh, as a kid growing up because we had I had shitty vehicles growing up. You know. Okay, I never heard that one. Yeah, that's dope. Okay, so where do we go from there? So continue operating. I'm sure yeah, out of that same area. Yeah. So. Um, Few few more days later, we're going on a mission, a lot smaller vehicle. Mm. I think we only had like 25, 30 vehicles. So as as the platoon sergeant, it's a perfect chance to give my assistant platoon sergeant a chance at the realm. Mm-hmm. So he's typically my point man. He's he's the, the, the first uh, security team leader. So he's up front. We're going out to recover some of 3-7's uh, vehicles before their final push into Sangin. Mm-hmm. And we're going out there like 10, 12 hours before the convoy. We find out, oh, you don't get EOD or you don't get a route clearance platoon today. Mm-hmm. So we're going through the Acolyte Wadi, which is, they call IED Wadi because there's all kinds of IEDs there. I'm like, oh, fuck, what are we going to do? So I grab my assistant security team leader and we go over CEB and try to learn how to use their fancy. Mind so, detectors. Yeah. Didn't work. No. Um, clearly. Uh, <laughs> so as, as we're driving out there and I'm point, I, I, I have my same team, my driver, my gunner, um, my mind railer break. And to, to, as a Motor T guy, like when something breaks, that's okay. Something else is going to break. Mm-hmm. Something else is going to break. So we switch out the mine rollers because I'm point. I have to have a mine roller. We start rolling across the Wadi and I can see three sevens link up point because they sent like two vehicles out to lead us in. Mm-hmm. Um, my fucking rear diff goes out. I'm like, oh, it's going to be. Don't know. Murphy. Yeah. Check. So I tell the gunner to get down. I climb through the turret. Over around the front, because on the, on the front of the MRAP, or the, the Mat Vs, you have a little switch to lock it in all four. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I crawl down the hood, because I'm not getting out in the Wadi. Sw- switch it over, we drive forward. We're going maybe a click, and boom. Their third vehicle hit an ID. And we're like, oh, fuck. Hopefully everybody's cool. Okay. They start making comm checks. Okay, one dude was knocked out. He was unconscious, like 15, 20 seconds. Woke up, he's all good. No injuries other than that one dude that got knocked out. Mm. Then 
They get out and sweep for like 40 minutes. They say everything's clear. My biggest rule is a platoon sergeant is we don't need to be like the city workers digging a ditch. I don't need 15 people out there and one person to have a shovel. So my biggest rule was I get outside the vehicle. If I need you, I'll tell you to get outside the vehicle. Mm-hmm. So we pull up. I stand in the first IED hole because I'm going to hook that truck up to the wrecker. Tell my vehicle to push, post security up on the hill. And as soon as he rolled forward, the second IED went off, which was a 110 pounder estimated. First one they said was like a 20, 30 pounder. They think the 110 pounder was supposed to be the primary. And then the 20, 30 pounder was going to be secondary when they're out there sweeping. So it hit more casualties. So they think, I don't know. They're, they're way smarter than me. Makes sense to me. Um, what saved me is I was standing waist deep in the first IED hole. Mm-hmm. So it only hit me from the waist up, mm-hmm. but threw me out about nine meters. So that's where I broke my hip. Um, of course, shrapnel all, all up my left arm, l- left face, a little bit on, on the right. Um, but all our members, boom, waking up three or four weeks later in San Antonio. Man, how was that? How, how is it? Like, because you just wake up. You don't experience the time, right? Right, yeah. I, I, it's just like it's the weird. ID goes off, and then you wake up, and it's a month later, and you're in another country. And I can't see anything. Because I got gook all over my eye. I can't see out of my left eye. You, you don't remember anything? Do you remember the blast? All I remember is boom. That's it? That's it. And then I, it was a I'm weird... I'm sure they've backfilled you on the story. Yeah. Well, at least a little bit. A lot of my guys don't want to talk about it at all. Yeah. Uh, I was Me and my driver was the only ones medevac. It, it, it hit him really hard. Because, um, shit, he's my driver. I did all the training with him. He's a young corporal. Mm-hmm. Married. Had... I think he has three kids now. Uh, yeah. Did it hurt him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, no physical injuries. All, all mental. Yeah, but. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, but they had me on that good Michael Jackson drug, so mm-hmm. I, I was I was painless. You were in good shape. Yeah. And so you wake some, up four weeks later in Bethesda. No, they sent me straight to San Antonio. San Antonio. Yeah, because that's the burn center. Yeah. Yeah, they flew. BAMC, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, back then it was BAMC. Yeah. 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 Um, it switches. It's weird. I only know because I did inpatient treatment out there and we oh. went and talked to some of these kids that were over in yeah. BAMC. Yeah. And we were in SAMC. Yeah. So, yeah. SAMC to us is the San Antonio Men's Club, which is the strip club around the corner. Oh, Roger. We weren't yeah. there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if you want to do treatment there. Nah. Uh, yeah. Pass. Hard pass. Yeah. So you wake up, what's it like? I mean, somebody's got to fill you in on what's going on. I, I, how, what are you thinking when this happens? I have no fucking idea. Like, I'm in a room because burn patients go into a room that's 98 degrees because we can't regulate our body heat. So uh, in, in, anybody who, go, who comes in there has to be fully gowned up, stuff over their Because shoes, of infection. Because of infection. Because w- what their big thing in Afghanistan was is they're going to piss and shit in all the IEDs. So you die from an infection if it doesn't kill you by the blast. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the guys coming back in 2010, 2009, 11, a lot of them was getting sepsis. They was getting infections from that going into their body. Wow. I have smart tactic for yeah. the enemy, but fuck them. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, walk me through the wake up. It was weird because, uh, of course, I was, I was on, like, on, on some good drugs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought I was still in Afghanistan. And, and let me ask you this before you tell me. Did they keep you medically induced coma or was yeah. this just you went into no this was medically induced yeah so you got you got hit there you lose consciousness because you're fucked up they fly you to wherever and then they dope you up and put you in a coma to travel you i would assume and to yeah. get you better yeah let your so, body the, rest. so after 
after blast, they flew me to Germany. Yep. They flew a doctor from San Antonio to Germany to work on me, mm-hmm. to get me stable enough to fly because that's when the, the, um, the volcano was going off in Germany. Okay. So they wanted to get me out there as soon as possible. So flew the doctor from San Antonio out there. And then he, I guess he worked on me on the plane there and on the plane coming back. Um, and then I, I like the dreams I was having, I was still in Afghanistan. Like, I, but I was a little person, like I was running around and it's like a little two inch person, like stabbing Afghanis in, in their heels with knives and shit. It was weird. Weird, like, wicked. And it's probably some of the dope they had. Going, oh yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Eventually I think I grew into a tank. So like I, my bottom was, was it recurring. Like it stayed with it. Yeah. Like it kept moving on. Like the family members that came there to visit me, like they was in my dream. So consciously, I knew they was there, mm-hmm. but now they're in Afghanistan with me. Mm-hmm. Some weird, good drugs. How long can you not see? I was probably, I think it was probably about six, seven weeks. And is that either eye or just the one? Well, I, I kept having to put goop on this eye to keep it because my face was still swollen, so I couldn't close my eyes all, all the way. So everything was just like super blurry, like oh, trying to look out of a a Humvee windshield when it has been cleaned and you but drove people are talking to you telling you where you're at and what's yeah. happened mm-hmm. I assume right? yeah. like your nurses or something yeah. mm-hmm. what's that what? so I guess the first thing everybody always does is says hey is my dick still there did you say that yeah fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's important and like my OT which I still talk to her to this day um, I just saw her a few months ago while I was out in San Antonio she spun around to my wife and she's like oh all of the guys ask that because I'm just sitting there with a with a loincloth on. You don't know. I don't, yeah. I'm just like, mm, mm. And you probably can't feel much, right? Right. And your jaw. And I don't remember any of this. I was still. was completely. Yeah, they had it. Wired I, shut. I, I was wired for like three months. Oh, my God. Yeah. They, were they feeding you through a tube? Mm-mm. I'm missing all these teeth, so I could still suck. So I drank, I drank like seven insurers a day. Uh-huh. Because uh-huh. you had to have so many calories yeah. for your body to do whatever. Yeah. Yeah, supposedly they got me up out of the bed and walked around. I don't remember any of that. Right, because you're yeah. on heavy, uh, on all of it probably, yeah. whatever they have. Yeah, There's something to be said about those people that take care of us guys when yeah. we get, not, not me, but the guys that get mangled up and maimed and burned up, and they're amazing people. Yeah. They're amazing people that give you something back. Yeah. You know, so, and they help you through probably... <laughs> I'm not going to speak from experience, but I'd say that's probably one of the hardest sufferings you've had in your life. At least to that point, you're a young man, and that's a whole adjustment. It is, you yeah. Need, you need special people to make that breakthrough for you and let you know, hey, this isn't over. We got you, you know, and work you through that. So. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I still talk to my OT now. Like, we started riding bikes together. No doubt in my mind. Yeah. I mean, that becomes a serious uh, relationship yeah. when somebody's bringing you back from the edge. So. Yeah. And she's super cool. I always ride with a speaker so I can hear music because when things are quiet, all I hear is. Mm-hmm. So I came up with a playlist. She's like, so what's my song? I was like, whatever the next song that comes on can be your song and we'll start every ride with it. You'd never guess the name of the song. Use ho. <laughs> <laughs> so now every time we go on a bike ride, that's the first song we have to listen to. I gotcha. Yeah. And I'm sure she's not utterly offended by that. No, no, no. Right. She loves it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's epic, dude. Well, I, I want to get back to it. So walk me through this recovery process. I mean, obviously you guys are still close now all these years later, but there's a reason you're close. Yeah. I'm sure there were some tough times that came with all of that. There's a lot of tough times. Um, 
think I was in the beginning, I was doing therapy, I think twice a day, like an hour at a time, mm-hmm. just about every day and just painful, like trying to, because the supination pronation of your hand, I had none of it because I had an ID go through right here or a rock go through here and it fused my whole forearm. Did it break your radial bone? Broke both of them both and of them. then wedged in between them. Mm-hmm. So they had to go in later and Every chisel it out. It's because I was stuck just at the upright position. I couldn't go left or right at all. So that was a big surgery after that, like a a big recovery after that. But like just doing fine motor skills, like a a lot of my therapy was putting um, washers on bolts, putting a nut on a bolt and like like fine motor skills, fine motor skills because it shattered my whole right hand. Like yeah. it, it probably broke it in 15, 20 places. You know, mm-hmm. I've still got rocks in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was a, a lot of it. And then the, the burn stuff, like going through therapy. What, what person, what, where were you burned? Uh, I was because burned. they did a phenomenal job. Yeah. I was burned all up through here. Um, my face was pretty burned up. Um, they did a lot of stuff to make that look better. Do you take shrapnel to your body at all? Yeah. No, no. Oh no. Like no. your torso. So both the, arms and face. Yeah. 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 So this convoy, again, like I said, it was a weird one. Um, we usually wear plate carriers because mm-hmm. we're in a vehicle, you know, as a platoon sergeant, I'm like, hey, I'm not feeling good about this one. We're full. We're wearing full gear, neck protector, groin protector, full empty, all of it. And I believe that's that's what saved my life yeah. because I had a rock go through here. I don't know if you can see the little scar through there. Mm-hmm. It was probably about the size of a quarter. I have it at the or at work. I keep all my rocks at, at my desk. Um, and I believe this is just John Rose. I, I believe that's what saved me because it slowed that rock down enough. And they recovered that rock right next to my juggler vein. If I wouldn't have had that neck protector on, it would have went probably all the way through. Mm-hmm. And so many things right there, too. If you hadn't been standing in the crater... Your legs and God dang, yeah. your femorals, mm-hmm. they're taking what your arms have got. Yep. And then that becomes an issue yep. depending on what that clips. That's just, there's a lot of things. Uh, it's unlucky situation, let's say that, but. Could have been a lot worse. <laughs> you had things line up that yep. made made it non-fatal yep. when it probably should have been. And you're talking about a 100-pound jug, mm-hmm. and it was probably ammonium nitrate and aluminum. Probably. Yeah. With piss and shit on yep. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. Yeah, but the beginning stages at the hospital is kind of a blur. Kind of like we was talking about boot camp. You know, like tell me something about boot camp. It's just little pictures. Yeah, little yeah. things here and there. But I probably went through the recovery process for about a year and a half of just going to PT, going to OT, doing my regular burn doctors, my eye doctors. So, and that's a full time. That's your full time yeah. job now. Is just to get recovered. That was my billet description on my finished board. Recovery S and M. Yeah. Or RSM, I think they yeah. call. Oh yeah, Recovering RSM service yeah. member. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good that we can do that, but man, I'm glad. Yeah, because like this one was all the way down to the bone. Now was that's a piece of shrapnel, I assume, though, right? Not a burn. No, that was a a, a burning rock went through there. Burning rock. Yeah. Did it cauterize it as it goes through? Or no, it was it was open everywhere. But what they use is silver, so they put a wound vac on it to try to keep it and just pump oxygen to it. Uh huh. And once the wound vac quits working, they use silver to close it up. Burns like hell. What, what? It's like a Q-tip that's dipped in silver, so that's what cauterizes the skin. No shit. Yeah, like they took something out of my nose and had to clip it, and your nose bleeds horribly. Like I don't I don't know what it is, but they cauterize it with a Q-tip with silver on it. Hmm. Yeah. Burn like hell. My eyes watered for like two days. 
I'm sure. Wow, I never heard that. Yeah. Well, that's the, the that's the kind of clothing they give us too. Like we'd have silver woven into our shirts they give us, and our pants that they gave us because that silver supposedly helps healing or something like that. I guess it's like the copper band that bar, that Rep Farb thing does. Sure, sure. Know? It does something for yeah. you. There's something in the metal yeah. that helps you. Yep. Yeah, that's not something to look into that. Um, and you're at BMC. Yeah. This whole recovery process, yeah. you stayed out. I was there for almost three years. So you're in Texas three years recovering. Yeah, I got there in May of 10, and I left March of 13. You had a whole tour there. Yeah. Recovery tour. Yep. Good song. Were you able to help other people that were coming in behind you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that was... the thing I wanted to talk to you about, because, like, somebody in that situation, I can imagine you wake up a month later, you're feeling like you're, you're away from your dudes, you're probably having some purpose issues, like you should be back, or you're not doing what you could... And I'm not saying that's you, but I'm saying that would, I think that would be me. Like, I feel like I should be doing that. Right. And then I would imagine that helping other people in similar situations is good for your heart. Oh yeah. And, and being able to say, Hey, I did this. I just came through this. Come on. Yeah. Follow me kind of thing. Was there a lot of that? Oh, a lot of that. Like we'd have dudes in wheelchairs roll up and like, Hey John, can you help me grab this off the shelf? I'm like, man, fuck you. <laughs> because I had to piss. So I'd go to the head, come back. And this motherfucker's up on the counter. He's like, I told you I could get it. I was like, I was coming back to get it for you. you know, but we, oh, we'd have dudes that are down and we go to Walmart. Yeah. If you ever feel down about yourself, go to Walmart at midnight. <laughs> you will. My life's not that bad. But we'd go there during the middle of the day. Yeah. Perspective. <laughs> yeah. We'd go there during the middle of the day and just kind of fuck with people. We'd wait for the young kid to drive his grandma's handicapped car to Walmart and park in handicap parking. And they would park right beside him to where he couldn't get in. <laughs> and they all climbed out the back of their vehicles because they had like SUVs and they're in wheelchairs. Yeah. So they, it's not like you can get a wheelchair lift on an SUV. Yeah. So they they pull park right up beside him and they both chain smokers. And we'd wait till the kid comes out and you see him come out and he's like, how the fuck am I going to get in the car? And you see these two guys in wheelchairs roll up and like, thanks asshole. And they hop in their car and leave. <laughs> and this kid's like, as red as this hammer, just like never made that mistake again. I hope he didn't. He right. probably did. Maybe. He, he, he or maybe she not. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe he's like, no, dude. I parked there one time and listen, I felt this big when yeah. these dudes came out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, funny. but there was a lot of that. Like we'd go visit the dudes in the hospital. Hey, man, it's it's it, it's no. only getting better from here. Yeah, you're in the worst of it. Yeah, it's up. It's up after this. Yeah, we went and visited some kids the kids that were burned up um, when I was in inpatient treatment out there. And yeah, it'll change your perspective. Yeah. Like you think you got a bad life and show you somebody worse. Yeah. And then show you somebody that was just as bad as that worst person that got better. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. There's, it's a big community there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like there at the annex, it's changed a lot since you've been there. But we, on the weekends we used to hang outside and just, It'd be July and we and we got a fire going on. Mm -hmm, a bunch mm -hmm. of burned patients around a fire make, make, makes a lot of sense, right? Mm -hmm. You know, just bullshit and hey man, what's going on? Because yeah. a lot of that healing happens with a beer or two around that fire pit. Hey man, I know what you've been through. I did it. Talking about it. Yep. And achieving yep. different perspectives. But, but talking about around people that know what you're talking about, not some random dude who's mm -hmm, a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. No, no. That's no. never served, that works at Joe Smoe's. Mm-hmm therapist center you know mm -hmm. yeah 
Man, that's tough. Three years of it. So you get better. Yep. And instead of retiring. Well, well, well there's one thing that happened before that. Oh, come on. So at the end of that recovery, I was supposed to come back. Got invited to a Veterans Day parade mm-hmm. up in Midland, Texas. And our train or our our parade float or it was a back of a like a flatbed truck, mm-hmm. like, like mm-hmm. an 18-wheeler flatbed truck. We got hit by a train doing 67 miles an hour. Oh, my God. Just when you think it can't yeah. get any worse. Killed four and injured 17. And this oh. is service members and their spouses or their significant others. What? Yeah. How does this happen? No idea. It got thrown out of the Supreme Court. Hang on. You guys are in a parade for Veterans Day in Midland. Yep. You go over train tracks while train's coming. Yes. Something happens and the train hits you. Yes. Exactly. And now you have a mass casualty situation in Midland. Yes. And it was weird because the hospital is on the other side of the train. So the ambulances can't get to us. So now it's a bunch of combat vets that are triaging people. Mm-hmm. Like we put, we put a tourniquet on one lady, uh, one spouse. She saved, it saved her life. She still lost her leg, but she, she's still living today. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife brought, uh, broke the bottom of her spine, her collarbone and elbow. And then like, we're trying to take spouses that their husbands are clearly deceased because four died trying to drag them away from their dead husband. So it, it was rough, and then the ambulance show up, and they're like, oh. like They tell my wife, like, oh, you're, you're good. You can walk over. Nope, she's a spinal cord injury. She needs to build on a stretcher. We need to triage over here because these people are more serious. we got one with her. And they're like, how do you all know how to do this? Mm-hmm. This is what we train to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. I mean, that you could help. Yeah. It's tragic that it even happened. Yeah. And how, like, you didn't. That's horrible. That's horrible. I don't know. That, did it hit the actual float? Yeah. Yeah. So I was number one out of 12 rows, four, five, six, and seven died. Yeah. It hit around probably chair nine or 10. Why was he wrong? Oh, man. That's crazy. And is this at the end of your tour there? Yeah. I, I was supposed to execute orders the next month, which had to get delayed because my wife couldn't travel. Yeah. And you didn't get hurt? They think I may have rebroke my wrist, but they've been broke so many times from the blast. The dude's like, there's a CBS over there. I just recommend go buying a, a wrist brace. <laughs> Hydrate. Yeah. Change your socks. Here's some Moltron. I think they did give just me Moltron. the same in the civilian world, I, I, I think, guess. I think they did give me Moltron. <laughs> but, but Midland's a small town. They've, yeah, that's uh, real small. I couldn't. I, uh, when's the last mass casualty had? No, good point. At the hospital, they're like, um, like one doctor's there. Like, mm-hmm. and my wife's in occupational therapy. She's like, I broke my elbow. I can't do that. No, no, no. It, it's fine. You can do that. She's like, no. You don't understand. This is what I do, <laughs> and I can't do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. God, man, that's horrible. So now I don't go swimming in the ocean because the sharks gonna bite me. And I don't go outside when it's lightning because those are going to be the only two things that kill me now. Those are the only two things you have left? Yeah. 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 Don't swim the shark. Yeah. Good God. So you get delayed orders. Where do you go next? Back to Lejeune. 
Same same <laughs> motor pool. <laughs> just a different unit. <laughs> it was funny. I dermoed one of my vehicles that I drove as a Lance Corporal when I got back there as a staff sergeant after I got blown up. Triple nickel. Because the last three uh, uh, numbers on the truck was 555. Five, five. Five, five, five. Yeah. Well, That's how long well, I've been in that vehicle. <laughs> at least you got to see that vehicle through. Exactly. Yeah, man. Crazy. Um, and what year is this? Are you talking about 13, 14? 13, yeah. 13. And so you stayed with them? I was only there for like four or five months. Just a little while. And then I got um, sent over to the tax center. So I was the I was one of the staff until I seized over at Lejeune Tax Center. Okay. For about a year. Back to the same motor pool again. But I was at the headquarters, and I was the H&S company first sergeant as okay. a staff sergeant, and the company gunny, and the training chief, and because they just stood the battalion up. Like, I got there three days later, the battalion erected. Mm-hmm. So you were wearing multiple hats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Worked there for quite a bit, a uh, lot of long, long hours being with, with, with that unit, because all the problem children come there. Well, you're trying to stand up, too, yeah. which is complicated in so itself. Everybody's sending us their, their kids they don't want. They're, mm-hmm. they're problem children there. Mm-hmm. So we finally get through that. They moved me over to Bravo company, um, do a lot of work with them. We, we got a great first run over there. Um, came from, what was the last ninth Marines that stood down? Was it three, two, nine, two, um, two, one. nine, Oh, whatever the last two, one was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whatever the last one was, he was weapons company first run. So he comes over and you know, he's been a grunt his whole life mm-hmm. and he comes over and he's like, Hey, well, why aren't we painting rocks? And, um, Going on gun drills and I'm like, well, first arm closed down. So, slow down. We drive trucks. <laughs> You're not at home no more. Yeah. <laughs> Logistics wins wars. The grunts can't shoot unless they got beans, bullets, and band-aids. Mm-hmm. So took a good month for him to, he's like, oh, shit. I didn't realize all the stuff y'all do at Motor T. Mm-hmm. And like went through that and then he retired and then they sent me to the wing. What's wrong with that? Oh. It was weird. Is it just that the culture is just so much different? Well, this was a drone unit. So unmanned aerial. Come on. Um, it's just weird having, because the, that unit is the only flying squadron. If, if you call them a flying, the only squadron in the wing that has ground gear. So they transport all their unmanned stuff Mm -hmm. with Humvees with seven Mm -hmm. tons. Mm -hmm. So it's just a weird dynamic to where, most of these pilots, which you can be an enlisted pilot, you can be a Lance Corporal and be a pilot. Um, most of the officers come from manned aerial and they Latin move over unless they're mm-hmm. like a brand new first, second lieutenant, maybe a captain. Right. And their way of operating is way different than we do on the ground side. Yeah. Like everybody's on a first name base, like different culture. The, the squadron CEO would walk into the office and be like, Hey John, what's and all my Marines are. I'm like, um, He'd call me on the phone. Hey, John, what's going on? I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And I, he's like, call me Brad. I'm like, no, I, uh, Lieutenant Colonel. Yes. It feels so weird. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was interesting, but it was very informative on, because I've only ever seen the ground side before. Mm-hmm. I've never mm-hmm. went out and set up, you know, a landing station or a, a landing field for one of these unmanned aerial things. Cause it's weird. Like they catch it with a rope. Yeah. It's a process. Yeah. Some of them get launched with a rope. Yeah. Like a slingshot. Yeah, this one gets launched with a little pusher, but then it catches on a rope. 
and you're like, and you're like, how's this thing going to land? And all of a sudden the motor shuts down and you see three people run out there to catch this thing. And you're like, what the, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in the early, in the early parts, they had the, the little Ravens yeah. that you could take off and stuff. Now they got so much stuff. They got stuff that they can fly from here all the way over there. Oh yeah. You know, for 24, 48, 72 yeah. hours be in the air. Yeah. That's crazy. So it, it was very interesting learning that side of it. And learning the logistics that goes behind that mm-hmm. and how much the wing doesn't know about logistics. Oh, I'm sure. Like, we're not supposed to do convoys outside base with more than three vehicles unless you get a permit. So they'll be like, okay, we'll just take three two-vehicle convoys. That's illegal. It says it in the MEF order. You literally aren't understanding what I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just pick stuff up and put stuff down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But tr- like figuring out their logistics because you're dealing with all kinds of different sets of money. Then you got purple uh, money, you got uh, green money, you got it's. It was definitely a learning curve. And as soon as I got there, they're like, "Oh, guess what? You're getting phase mode, and you're getting a SMAT inspection." And you're, I'm like, "I just I don't got even know what that is the what well, the, the SMAT is the it's where they come and inspect all your programs. Okay, okay. So they'll pull ten record jackets or Humvees and walk out there, and you have to show them all the SL3 gear, all the all the basic stuff yeah, they'll yeah. run through the pmcs with it and they'll come and inspect everything almost what, like a cg inspection yep uh turnover binders but it's more functional it's uh-huh. not like it, there is a lot of admin stuff that goes into it too like request mass and all that stuff but it's really heavy for like the motor t guys and the engineer guys because mm-hmm. we got to make sure like they'll go back a year they're pulling our reports three months before they even come mm-hmm. so it's not like we can stay up all night and fix everything they've already got the shit they need yeah 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 that's good though yeah that's good. That's a good accountability yeah. check. Make sure everything's good. And people get fired because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, we passed. That was good. That's good. Yeah. It's better than the antithesis. Yes. <laughs> Very. So, what's next? So then I got I got selected for the congressional fellowship. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, weird thing that not a lot of people know about. I didn't know about it until you started talking yeah, about it earlier. But it's only for staff sergeants, gunnies, mass sergeants, master guns. Uh-huh. Um, and you go be the voice on the Hill. You work for an individual member of Congress, House or Senate. Doesn't matter party. You know, we're, we're apolitical. Mm-hmm. You know, we work for pleasure of the president, no matter if he's Republican, Democrat or she. Um, independent, doesn't matter. So we go up there. I worked for a member who was a prior Marine. Okay. Um, but he was the chairman of the Coast Guard Committee. And it's not like you go up there to be a fellow for the Marine Corps. You're a DOD fellow. So you got to know Army, Navy, Air Force. Coast Guard's not part unless we're deployed, but he was the chairman of the Coast Guard, so I'd learn a shit ton about about ice breakers and the beams of... They shot a... We went out there and toured, and they shot a... I don't remember what it was, but like you can't even hear it. But it makes you feel nauseous like you want to throw up, and they just aim it at you. And it's, it, it, I'm like, this is the shit y'all use? Like, yeah, yeah. We stopped, uh, we, oh, we got seven tons of fentanyl or whatever the seas was last week because we used this to shut down the boat. No kidding. Yeah. Huh. But for a straight year, you're just advising, just like you would do as a senior list advisor. You're advising your commander, but now you're advising a member of Congress. Mm-hmm. And he'll, he'll come in and be like, hey, John, how'd this work for you? And you get to tell him the, the good, the bad, the ugly. You know, what is going to make our organization better? Right. What's going to make it worse? What worked? What didn't work? Mm-hmm. And you'll get random tech messages at like 10 o'clock at night. Hey, John, I just saw this on Fox or I just saw this on MSNBC. I need a point paper in the morning on it. 
because I'm going to do my two-minute speeches about this. And you're like, fuck. Now I got to get to work early. I got you. Yeah. Oh, that's a, I mean, that's an interesting job, though. And, and probably one that you can bring a lot of positive things or negative things to light to affect positive change, yeah. let's say, because of the ear that you hold. Yeah. You know, that's good. Now, how long do you do that? Uh, you do it for a year. Okay. Uh, so I was there from January to January. And what uh, year was that? Uh, that was... 18. 18. Yeah, 18. All right. Then after that, you have to do a two-year payback. So you had to go on a utilization tour, and mine was to go to the Assistant Secretary of the Navy for Manpower and Reserve Affairs to be his senior enlisted advisor and handle all his wounded warrior care and policy issues for the whole Department of the Navy on top of all the legislative stuff. Check. So I oversaw all the wounded, ill, and injured policies for the Navy and the Marine Corps and fought Army and Air Force. And on what's that mean? What's that? What, like, if you were to break that down and give me a brief synopsis of what your job is when you say that. So, any warrior care that happens, any um, adaptive sports equipment policies that happen, um, there's a few pay and entitlement things like scattle. It's the. Yeah, service, I know what that is. Yeah. So, so we re- re- rewrote the Doty on that and the SecNav instruction, all those type of things I manage. Warrior games. Okay. Uh, we advocate for. Anything and everything that can make the warrior wounded, ill, or injured life better, or hey, we're being too easy on you now. Mm-hmm. Let's let's bring this back a little bit. It, this should be a little bit more stringent, or you know, mm-hmm. that's awesome. It's awesome that we have that. But it's awesome that you get to take part in it because I didn't even know it existed. Not many people do. Yeah, yeah. So you do a year there, and then you do two years underneath. Um, who are you working for? Who was the member? Um, or are you not allowed to say? I'd prefer not to. Okay, right now. Roger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's dope. And where are you working at, at that time? On the hill or on yeah. my utilization tour? On your on the hill. Oh, I'm working in the member's office. Right there on the hill. Right there on the hill. Every Suit and tie every day. Suit no uniform. Every day. Yep. Yeah, that's very cool. We're going to receptions, going to parties. And I'm sure you're networking your ass off oh, yeah. with everybody there, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, man, that's great. There was probably a reception at least two to three nights a week. Oh, wow. Because it's all politics, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Everybody meeting everybody. Yeah, you'll have foundations. Money. Shit, they set up a zoo in the cafeteria. San Diego Zoo brought like um, a sloth, a, a tortoise, fucking penguins. To the hill. To the hill. <laughs> to advocate for wildlife conversation or conservation. Conservation. Yeah. Did so. Yep. Every lobby, every business out there has a lobbyist. Yeah. Down to this cap probably has a lobbyist. Yeah. Because their caps are better than your caps. Gotta get that money, baby. Yeah. yeah. Gotta get that money. Wow. So, what, so at your, you do, okay, so a year at the Hill, two years for your utilization payback. Yeah. And what's after that? Uh, on my, uh, my current petition right now at Wounded War Regiment. And you're at the regiment now, mm-hmm. and you're basically a patient advocate for ill and injured? So we manage a lot of stuff. And okay. you can go on our website um, and see all the resources we have and everything. But from point of injury, we start tracking. So if you're a suicide attempt or ideation or you're motorcycle accident, because mm-hmm. we're not dealing with a lot of combat stuff. Right now, yeah. Um, from the time the unit releases that that uh that personal casualty report our time starts we start sending that 
that unit resources. We start sending that stuff to medical to make sure they're processed the right way. Mm-hmm. We may assign them a recovery court, a recovery care coordinator. It just all kind of depends on the sure. severity of it. Yeah. Sure. But from day one of injury or wounded or a lot of cancer patients. Yeah. From that time, we start tracking and advocating and make sure they have the right stuff. Yeah, that's good to go. Like, so what's that look like on the daily to you? Like, what what would be the routine or your battle rhythm? So every morning I brief the commander Mm -hmm. um, of all the PCRs we've had for the day prior. And where, if we're sending it to this person to review or this person to review or that person to review. And does that, that motorcycle wreck that lost a leg does he automatically need to come to one of our battalions or debts? Mm-hmm. Is he good enough to stay at his unit? Does he have the right amount of care? Mm-hmm. And then throughout the day, it's just random stuff that happens. Like this unit calls because they're trying to refer somebody to Camp Lejeune Battalion East. Yeah. Or they're trying to, hey, I'm trying to figure out um, this, that, and another. Like we have district energy support coordinators. They're spread all across the country to help the post 9-11 warriors that got out mm-hmm. that's still on the temporary retired list mm-hmm. dude's house burn up and he lost his dd214 the disc would call me and i'd get in our program and pull his dd214 or stuff replaced yeah so it's everything from medical care and resources all the way down to administrative care yeah. and resources for anybody that's mm-hmm. once they've been declared injured yeah. wounded or ill yeah 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 that's great i i played with a guy that has um uh, bone cancer named Chris yesterday. Uh, shout out Chris. He, you know, part of the golf organization and um, been really through it with all that, but talked about the support and it's yeah. like bone marrow. It's like yeah. not going away. Um, but they've helped him out with, you know, different machinery to help him with yeah. his body and surgeries. And, and then like you said, even administrative you know, support that, that he gets still, uh, you know, even as a veteran that these guys are helping him with, which is great. We yeah. should be doing that. We should be doing all of that. All right, so you took the job of somebody who probably had you on a roster at some point. Oh, they still call me. Like, Matani, he still calls me every six months. Hey, oh, man, yeah, how yeah, you doing? Yeah, I'm yeah. like, I'm at the regiment. Yeah, yeah. I go into the system, make sure they update their notes and everything properly. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> make sure you put that down when you talk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's funny. And what, where do you see yourself in the future now? I'm just going to take a few months off. I, I mean, to, you got retirement coming up in like a... Less than a month. Less than a month, yeah. baby. Countdown month. Yeah. August 7th, per part day. Hell at yeah. the World War II Memorial. Hell yeah. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. When did you say August 7th? August 7th. Sunday. Up there? Mm-hmm. I'll shoot you an invite. Let me know. Yeah. I'll come up. I'll I, I figured that'd be the perfect place to do it on Purple Heart Day in front of the monument of our greatest generation. Boom. Yeah. Boom, dude. It'll be beautiful. I've been to a couple it's it's weird because I got I retired earlier than what I should have and so now it's getting to the point where all of my guys yeah, are starting to retire are retiring so they're hitting me up hey you got, I love it dude I love I get to be a part of that and let, get that vicariously yeah. through you guys because I didn't make it all the way over there but um very very cool man very cool well dude John we we've been going two hours and 15 minutes oh wow what else you got uh, well, I, I just want to give one shout out to our uh, our call center we have at the regiment. Um, anytime you, if you're a Marine, Navy corpsman, serve with the Marines, anytime you need any assistance, you can call 1-877-487-6299. That's on our website. Uh, they're open 24-7. If you, is this a crisis line or is this the regiment line? It, it's, it's, 
it's not quite a crisis line. I mean, you probably want to call 988 if you're having a crisis. But if you're having issues with the VA, you've lost something, you, you're trying to fill out a form, and you don't quite understand that we have people that we pay to man this, this call center and help with finance, with VA stuff, with anything you need help with. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're on the TDRL, you can call them anytime. And what's it called? Uh, it's called the... It's. I, I don't want to quote the name, but it's um, it's the Wounded Warrior Regiment Call Center. Okay, so yeah. Wounded Warrior Regiment Call Center, you work there. And can you hit that number one more time? Yeah, one 487 6299 Perfect. And if you were to give, if you look right into that camera and speak to the audience uh, of hitters and veterans both and give them John's best three points, uh, what would it be? Hmm, that's, that's a good one. Um Three points as of today. Yeah. How you feel right now. So the biggest thing I always say is if you're not having fun doing something, don't do it. Uh, that's the reason I stuck around the Marine Corps as long as I did, even though they said, hey, your time's gone. I can still contribute. If you can't contribute to your local community, your local government, your anything locally, or just contribute, give a little piece of something back. Because that's going to help our kids, our grandkids, our friends and family's kids, just a better life later down the road. Just like we do in the Marine Corps. Everywhere we go, we pick up trash that we didn't bring in. Mm. You got to make your place, wherever you are, wherever you're going, better than what it was when you got there. That's probably the biggest part. But you got to have fun doing that, just like the the, the first one. Um, Mm. And I, I guess the last thing is just give a shit. You know, whatever you do, just give a shit about it. Don't do something just to do it. Great words, great words, great words. Well, John, I appreciate you coming out. I'm glad we finally got to do this, man. It's just been an honor having you on, sitting down and talking and hearing, hearing the stories. It's crazy because when you're getting blown up, I'm, I'm in the same piece of dirt as you and uh, didn't know you then. I'm glad to know you now, though, and I'm glad you came on. I'm sure that there's, you know, you guys are going to take something out of this. If you do take something out of this, I want you to share it out to you guys that it can help. And uh, everything from the resource numbers to the regiment to uh, the experiences that John's put down on the recording today and and the talks that we've had today. Um, Look forward to seeing you guys next time. John, appreciate you, man. Appreciate it, brother. All right, right, guys. Back now, John Rose is off the hook and has left. And Matt, wanted to come to you for some points over uh, over the episode. What do you got? Man, uh excellent story he was uh he was a character dude like he was he was kind of a, a jolly guy for as much stuff as he went through you know oh yeah uh, definitely definitely an uplifting story for sure but uh yeah the recruiting duty was uh kind of a a main topic it was it seemed like he enjoyed it but he definitely had to work at making his mission i think is what and it was crazy how they put an alabama boy in new york city it was pretty crazy you know yeah i think i said something about uh i don't think they thought that one all the way through um either i said it or he said it or we both said it uh they maybe should have thought that one through better but resourceful to say to say the least he made made the best out of what he had that's right i mean typical marine corps they're just going to do, oh yeah, name in a hat. Yep. He's going to, he's going to New York city, you know, and then just adapt and overcome, right. Just figure it right. out. Go, go volunteer at the football stadium and recruit a janitor. 
Yep, works for me. <laughs> Get that mission. <laughs> so, a message to Garcia. Right, and then, uh, dude, when he was talking about the resourcefulness, me being now being a mechanic, when he when he said the black pepper thing, I was like, boom, got you. Yep, it's it, yeah. I had no <laughs> clue. I was like, I didn't know. He's like, oh, that's more from growing up. <laughs> Interesting about it, you can actually crack an egg in a radiator, and it'll do the same thing. No kidding. Yep. And uh, did the the spent shell uh, casings? I think seven six two. Yeah, I think I'm gonna have to go. And I'm, gonna 50... have, I'm gonna have to go get some and carry them on my service truck now, I guess, or something. <laughs> I know, dude. I was learning the whole way. I was blown away. I was like sticky notes everywhere. Fifty cow, Roger that. Breacher kit up, like get the grinder yeah, yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, man, it was good. Yeah, that that definitely plucked a cord with me for sure. And then resilience uh, would be the key word for that episode because that is a resilient human being yep, and, a, that, and a resilient family. Definitely adapt and overcome for sure. It's just, that's the name of the game right there. Uh, I, you know, we weren't mechanics, we weren't truck drivers, but now in my career now, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what you need when you're doing stuff like that. So, yep. uh, what yeah. And then they did the ground and air differences between the Marine ground and the Marine air wing is what he struck that it's something that I had never thought about. I just, I figured those guys did have trucks, but I guess <laughs> they don't really roll in trucks. And he just got that one where obviously that was why he was there was to be attached to the, to the UAV unit or whatever they were called right, on yep. the air wing side, you know? And, uh, yeah, just cool little things. Um, yeah, I didn't know about the um, internship on Capitol Hill. I didn't know that was even a thing. Right. You know, and, you so. know, when he started talking about it, I said, you know, Ryan should probably look into that. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late now. He's, I'm not active duty, but that's. Um, oh, I, I didn't. I misunderstood that. I guess you got to yeah, be active duty did, to do it. Yeah, I think it's like an internship, you know, look into it more. But um, yeah, wild, man. I learned the whole time throughout the whole episode. I was learning new stuff, just like posting it. Boom, boom, boom. But Excellent. Yeah. Somebody who wants to serve something bigger than himself still. You that's know, right. It's that's right. Even as much as he went through. So excellent. That's right. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, if you uh, if you hung with us this far, we appreciate it. And uh, that's our small after action of John Rose. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you. Louisiana Gun Shop, your firearm headquarters, specializing in concealed carry guns, ammo, and training. You can get your Louisiana permit with us. Also, a large selection of AR-15s, or if you are that build-it-yourself type of guy or gal, we have all the parts to build and customize your own AR-15. Glock, Sig, Taurus, Ruger, we have all the brands, both in the store or at louisianagunshop.com. Not too far. You're marking the building. Hit him. Yeah, that's good. That's a good shot. That's a funny. Yeah. Funny.